keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts, our WrestleMania 39 review episode. And... And Dan just muted himself. <laughs> this is the best opening ever. <laughs> Literally, got... Vince McMahon just bought the podcast and immediately cut Dan. <laughs> We've got Robert Karpolis. we got Mike Lawrence, we got Scott Chaplin, uh first um just to get in our pod schedule next week we're going to be doing the roast of adam cole april 21st the first ever wrestling game show and you thought our snake draft was bad uh, april 28th backlash preview our patreon schedule this weekend we're reviewing the two first episodes of aew all access next week rocky three and april 24th the roast of michael hayes subscribe to our youtube follow us on twitter follow us on instagram but ladies and gentlemen we have our own Vic Venom. We have the disruptor of the professional wrestling world in journalist form. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Houseman is on the show. Nick, how are you doing? Once again, you are the topic of conversation in wrestling this week. This is Where like he's known week. in Mexico, Senor Shitstirer. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is like the third week that you've been the guy. Weird. It's not supposed to be like this, Dan. Well, it's just because no one no one asks real questions. <laughs> so that's why you get it. But um, if you haven't seen the WrestleMania press conference, Nick, you know, asked everything we're supposed to be asking. I mean, Nick, go through your questions again. And what was your reasoning behind the questions and, and the reaction? And then the reaction in the room to the reaction. Uh, well, I asked the same question twice, so it's just one question two times. Um, the question to Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns uh, was, um, uh, have you heard about this report uh, that is coming out from CNBC? Uh, WWE could reportedly be acquired by Endeavor and merge with UFC. Uh, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that, and I believe I added... Uh, and Paul, of course, we've uh, all seen that you are now engaging with Conor McGregor over on Twitter, because if there was anybody that was like, well, why would Nick ask Paul and Roman, which is already a stupid question, because they're two of the most uh, you know, influential people in the company. I deserve to get their take on this. Paul Heyman himself had already started engaging with Conor McGregor over on Twitter. So that's it's all fair game, in my opinion. I, I, I thought it was a very fine question. Very fine question. And what was their reaction to said question, Mr. Houseman? Well, they looked at each. If you watch it, it's like a it's like a Marx Brothers bit. You know, they like look at each other like they. it's like perfectly timed. It's like a slow look at each other. And then everyone laughs. Right. And then uh, Roman uh, doesn't really seem to want to answer the question. And then Paul decides to take control of the situation by referencing uh, the AEW all out media scrum uh, by pointing at me and saying, uh, you have a real bad habit of starting problems. Uh, he <laughs> asked bad. 
He asked bad questions. He said, I asked bad questions, which is, again, not true. I think I asked very good questions. Um, dude, and, that was him putting you over. Oh, dude, you have no idea. And, like, here's the thing is I've never, <laughs> I've never like, engaged with Paul Heyman one-on-one. We've never met in person. But we have, through other means of communication, like, we've exchanged words. He knows who I am. This was the first time that Paul has ever said anything directly to my face. And it was this. You all saw it right there in the open for the first time. I was very honored that uh, Paul would do that because you're right. He did put me over. It was very funny. My feelings were not hurt. Uh, Then Roman started talking about how I do improv, meaning he definitely saw the CM Punk comments. Um, And uh, he asked me if I wanted to ad lib and improvise. And you can't see it on the stream but I'm like on my feet begging to get the microphone back so I could just start doing a scene here with well, Roman Reigns. Well, thank God you didn't because we would not be having you on this podcast. Oh, but, dude, go. give me a suggestion. Dildo, great, got it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, 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 Nick, are you still uh, on the island of relevancy a few days later? I guess I'm here with you. So yeah. <laughs> so no, <laughs> I am. Oh, no. You're on. You're you're on Easter Island, wherever the fuck we. Are. I don't know. Where you're doing are. a podcast with guys who would look like if Vince McMahon's mustache was a person. Oh. <laughs> uh, but uh. yeah, I mean that was. I, I thought they were great questions. I think you handled yourself. Really. Well, but I, it it, I, it is it is it is funny that like. You know, it's so amazing. It, the, the first thought I had watching you at this press conference is that you asked a loaded question and they were able to kind of judo throw it away or jujitsu, you know, where they're not really answering. But like the AEW one, Punk just asked you the question and you didn't have anything controversial to say. And Punk yeah. was like, Fuck this! I'm saying the controversy. It's, like <laughs> it's like such a tale of two press conferences. Where there should have been no drama at one, and there should have been drama at the WWE one, but the WWE one, everyone there kind of handled it from a PR perspective perfectly, not from a wrestling news perspective. And for AEW, it was like the combo of, you know, Punk just completely destroying the, you know, the fourth wall, and then Tony trying to do what Paul Levesque does, but mostly just blinking. So it was. Really funny. <laughs> well, it was really funny. So I'm the, really excited for how Nick's going to be treated when he asks. So, how will you fill Wembley Stadium? Oh, great! You know, uh, mannequins. Look, you know the coolest well, part. Talk- <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick, can you talk about this? I mean, I I don't know. Well, real you- quick, before we get yeah. to the Wembley stuff, before we get to the Wembley stuff, I got I got to finish. I didn't technically finish the story because it didn't yeah, yeah, end yeah. there. No, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, did, it didn't end with Paul. And Roman. And I, I honestly wanted to kind of double back on this because you reminded me with what you just said about the judo throw, right? Because Tony Khan, uh, God bless him, love Tony, should take notes on how this press scrum was handled and how to handle Nick Hausman. Because I asked this question to Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, big laugh, lot, whatever. We do our three three line scene, get out. And uh, Triple H comes back onto the stage right after, does this opening salvo, tells this really emotional story about the, the little girl who came out in front of Bianca, the contortionist, and her mother had passed away that morning. It was just, it was like going from all laughs to the most serious conversation you could possibly imagine. And then at the end of that, he goes, all right, let's get this out of the way. Where's Hausman? And then everybody's very surprised. I'm very surprised that now Triple H is calling on me by name. Um, Hausman, ask your question. What do you want to ask? And I looked at Byron Saxton, who was standing there in a beautiful pink suit, and I give me the microphone. And he's not the one who had been giving out the microphone. That was his personal microphone he gave me. 
And uh, let me uh, let me ask Hunter the exact same question that I just said to you all about Paul and Roman Reigns. And then I say, uh, do you, would you like to uh, confirm or comment on this story? And he goes, nope. Big laugh. And he goes, I just want to talk about WrestleMania, but thank you for the question. And I sat down and I was totally fine because I did my job. <laughs> I asked him the question. He didn't want to answer it. And we moved on to what he did want to have a conversation about. It was all done in the blink of an eye. Uh, he didn't have to roll out all the raw ratings. He didn't have to tell us the next 18 towns at WWE's going to be running before getting to the part where he declines to answer my question. He just got right to it and moved on. And I thought it was very well done. And uh, I, I didn't get the answers, I guess, that I probably wanted because I actually wanted comment. But it was uh, I thought it was handled in a way that was very professional. And, and I, I, I really enjoyed myself for sure. So there you go. Can you let us uh, any updates? Or are you going to be back in the AEW press? room anytime soon well dan i just started my own company house of wrestling I, i'm no longer with wrestling inc so Whoa, congrats. thank you yes if you haven't heard house of wrestling we can talk about it more here later uh i i definitely plan on doing the big four um wwe shows and we'll see what the AEW stuff i mean when they're in chicago i plan on being in the pit but you know i i was traveling so much as it was with wrestling inc and um you know, it's it's just it. I got I got so burned out, and so yes, if if AEW's in Chicago or local to Chicago around here, I'll be in the scrum. That the, there's no bridge there. They just hired Adam Hopkins, who used to be the WWE PR guy, and I've worked with Adam for years, so I saw that as nothing but a good thing for for all the press, not just myself, but everybody working with AEW. Um, so again, my long winded answer: yes, I'll, I'll I'll still be around in some fashion, just not all the time. What was the feeling? Now we we're hearing all of this, um, which we'll get into more with Robert. But you know, obviously Vince taking control of of it seems he's taking more of an active role at least in creative for right now. And there was a lot of rumblings. You know, people were saying people were unhappy with it. You know, people were saying it's it's permanent, it's temporary. But you know, it seemed like the vibe at the AEW press conference was kind of chaotic. What was the vibe here? With kind of all these all these chaotic news going back uh, backstage with WWE, interesting. Uh, I didn't get the well. First of all, I didn't get the vibe at the the ROH press room that it was like chaotic. First of all, no, I'm I mean, sorry, I'm talking about uh, Muffin Muffin Gate, man. Oh well, yeah, Muffin Gate. Well, that was a. I think that was a one man tornado. I don't think that was any. I think one guy walked in and wanted to you know, spin, spin the whole place in, uh, you know, in circles and he was successful. Um, no, everything after that has been, it, it's been probably by the book. Actually, the ROH, uh, press scrum was, uh, was very emotional. Mark Briscoe standing there telling you about how the God is like the wind. It was very, very heavy. Um, but anyway, I thought the WWE WrestleMania press scrum was, I mean, I like it. They, they do a great job of, we're going to do this in 45 minutes and you may, I didn't get to ask a question the first night. I was obviously not thrilled about that but i respect it because i don't want to be here for two and a half hours to the point where everybody's just asking like what's your pro wrestling mount rushmore if we all are guaranteed a question you know um so i uh, i thought it was i thought it was uh, they they walked up to me after the first night they said we're very sorry you didn't need a question we're going to do our best to get you in tomorrow and i said i really appreciate it and then sure enough they handed me that microphone and gave me that moment uh, i i have nothing but good things to say about how it was run it was great all right. Well, um, Robert Karpolis, who had some strong words for um, for Monday Night Raw this week, you should really check out the uh, $10 something to sports entertainment with Robert goes in depth on his Raw review. Um, but he also touched upon the Endeavor deal and what this means, this $21 billion behemoth, this 
that this UFC WWE hybrid is going to become. Um, Robert, um, what does this deal look like? Who's running the show? How safe is everyone's position? How unsafe is everyone's position? What What's your opinion from a legal perspective on this deal? So what do you want to talk about? I'm joking. Only losers that are, are not going to have a long-term future in wrestling open with sentences like that. Uh, <laughs> oh look, here's the thing. I, and and I, I, I went into it in depth a little bit on the something to sports entertainment with tier, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it right here. Vince McMahon really only had two paths forward for the future of the WWE. One was to get a blank check from the Saudi government where they were just going to let him run roughshod and do whatever it is he pleases. Uh, when that doesn't seem like that materialized, the only other option for someone that was going to buy the WWE was Endeavor. And we've talked about this before. There were, you know, uh, uh, Comcast was interested or the NBC Universal world, uh, Disney at one point. Endeavor allows the WWE to be network agnostic. They can be on Hulu, they can be on Peacock with Dan, uh, they can be on USA, they can be on Fox, and everybody's happy. Endeavor, when they acquired UFC, essentially said, show us your numbers, show us how you run, and as long as you continue to hit that bottom line, you can continue to operate. WWE is a strange, multi-tentacled property that has touring rights and TV rights and merchandise and video games and all of this stuff under one umbrella. And Endeavor said, how much are you making? Nick Khan showed him how much they're making. And Vince McMahon got the insane nine point whatever billion dollar valuation that he wanted. That is his personal victory. He took a small company that he basically kind of stole from his dad and turned it into a multi-billion dollar valuation company. He when turned Endeavor a million into nine billion. Yes, thank you. Thank you, CM Punk. Um, but uh, <laughs> the the thing with Endeavor is it's run by Ari Emanuel. Ari Emanuel makes Vince McMahon look like Mr. Rogers. Uh, this is, for those of you who don't know, he was the basis of Ari Gold on Entourage. Uh, his brother, Rahm Emanuel, is who Josh Lyman is based on on the West Wing. Like Ari Emanuel is a force of nature who only cares about money. He cares about the bottom line for his company. So Vince McMahon, know what has, you want. <laughs> it's exactly what you want. Vince McMahon yeah. has a lifeline right now in his position. He is not a majority shareholder. He will never be a majority shareholder. Endeavor is not insane to let Vince McMahon control things. He is neutered. He's backed into a corner and he's doing the one thing he does, which is try to wrap his arms around the things that he can control. Ultimately, all our Emmanuel cares about is the dollar figure that Nick Khan put in front of him needs to continue to happen. And if Vince McMahon is going to be a hindrance to that at some point, and the, the audience is going to start tuning out, the wrestlers are going to start jumping ship, and the quality of what's been delivered over the last year significantly starts to deplete, Ari Emanuel loses nothing by cutting Vince McMahon's head off. He needed Vince to be able to make this deal work. Because if Vince was not part of this, this new co that they're building, this TKO stock company, it's going to look like Vince is opposed to it. He's going to potentially try to create a rival organization. He's going to let dirt leak out. And that's going to scare Wall Street because Wall Street doesn't know anything about wrestling other than it's Vince McMahon. In the same way, they don't know anything about Marvel other than Kevin Feige. 
Kevin Feige were to leave tomorrow, Disney stock would plummet because Wall Street doesn't understand nuance. They just understand headlines. So Ari needed Vince there for now. Vince is getting this little bit of runway, and he's going to try to run with it. But the second it starts to truly interfere with the bottom line, he's gone. You have Hunter who can easily step back into control. You have an infrastructure there that, um, that again, they don't care about in terms of who's safe and who's not safe. On the production end, they're not going to go out and hire new camera people. They're not going to go hire new truck operators. They're not going to go hire new commentators. There's already a well-oiled but, machine. Uh, wait, my, Wrestlers my, my, might get my, fired. My and and office that, people though, might get fired. My, but my counterthought to that, though, is like, or just or just devil's advocate. You know, when when Emmanuel took over UFC, he cleared out a lot of the rank and file staff. And it wasn't necessarily, he wasn't like, he wasn't fucking with like, who are your fighters or what matches you're going to have. It wasn't like, the, the quote-unquote creative for UFC, even though it's a shoot. It was more just like, you know, the office structure change. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. A lot like of the media and it, like certain things of how like, you know, the sausage is made, those being kind of changed out. Having done M&A acquisitions before in multiple organizations, I understand what you do. You put together a redundancy list and see, okay, do we need two HR departments? Do we need two finance departments? Do we need, you know, two X, Y? Obviously, they don't have an HR department. Look at Vince. But theoretically, they have these different departments that can overlap. And if you can fold it together and save money, you will. From a production end, they they don't pay a lot of money, but they have that area up in Connecticut and Stamford where you have a lot of graduates from the Northeast who want to live in New York or New Jersey or Connecticut. And even though they don't even remotely like professional wrestling, they will go work at WWE and produce global content because it's a great resume builder. So Endeavor's not going to really fuck with that. If there's a way for them to save a penny, they'll save a penny. I don't see them liquidating the the production side a lot. I don't see them slashing budgets because Nick Khan has already cut the budget down and found a way to show how this company is incredibly profitable. The only thing that could really upend things right now is Vincent is insane mustache, and he will try to slash and burn. But as we have seen, starting somewhere in the middle of night two of WrestleMania – uh, shit went downhill very, very quickly, and nobody's really happy about it. And we saw the after effects of that on Dynamite on Wednesday. The, the the tide has shifted a little bit away from WWE at a point where they should be at their creative and financial high. And if there is even the slightest risk of it, Ari will step in and get rid of Vince. Interesting, man. So a lot of exciting hmm. stuff to kind of look after out, out for the next couple months. And um, so now Robert has done two episodes by himself about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the Thanos that fucking Mike is playing with right now is doing overtime. I have a question for Robert here real quick, just while uh, taking all this in. Um, do you, how much do you think Dwayne Johnson was involved in this? Uh, it's something I've been wondering. Cause he's, he's signed, uh, to the talent, uh, United artists, right. That, uh, Endeavor is William Morris. Is it William Morris? I thought that he was under the umbrella of uh, Endeavor's umbrella. I didn't know if he was a advocate for this internally. Maybe to argue. I don't know what the Rock's agency is. Let me see. Okay. He's um. Well, it doesn't. What acting agency is the Rock with? William Morris. He's part of it. I thought so. Yeah, I knew he was under the Endeavor umbrella, and this just all smacks to me of the XFL all over again. Vince is in trouble. Vince doesn't want to look bad. Here comes Dwayne The Rock Johnson to fix it. Vince's problem and remind everybody how great Vince is and what a visionary he is. You know, I don't know that he wanted to throw his arms around Vince publicly right now because of, you know, 
everything. But uh, you already got Ari over here. He's already got his arms around Dana White. You know he's going to embrace Vince, right? He's one of theirs. He is, uh, and, and again, WWE owns the the wrestler's IP. So Rock needs to be very protective of how he's portrayed. And if he's, you know, his if his uh, Rock character is owned by an organization that does not look favorably to him, uh, like maybe someone close to DC, uh, he has to worry about being marginalized and, and pushed out. So I'm sure if there was an opportunity for him to pull some strings, he would. Uh, I, I thought at one point there was a chance he was going to wind up or, or Brian would wind up on the WWE board and have a say in the future of the company. Yeah, because like, getting back to your point that if, if Ari wanted to cut the head off of Vince, which is honestly something I had not really thought of, but that if you there is value there if something goes uh, uh, awry. You could put Dwayne Johnson in the Vince McMahon role right now, and I think everybody would be very happy with that and look at would it as he a want step it, up. Though? I mean, I think he would want it. I think he would want it. I think he's at a point right now where he's all business minded. It seems like all he loves running the XFL. He loves I mean, running his tequila even brand. If he's business minded. He's not going to be able to like, like for instance, he's not able to start a new, you know, Ballers or a new Moana like he's doing now. He has he has his hands in so many different projects that. I feel like if it was WWE, if it was just WWE, he'd get bored out of his fucking mind. Yeah, but yeah. you just you just sit at the top. You have Hunter running things day to day. You exactly. you keep Shane perpetually yeah. injured, and you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> but Dude. you're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong, Rob. You imagine if Triple H has to go from answering to Vince to then answering to Rock. He is not going to be happy. I'm just saying. I I I I I saw this. I was like, this looks and feels so much like the XFL all over again. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Loves Vince McMahon. This is a way for him to protect Vince and protect himself and protect the industry and keep the industry as it is, which is the way that he and Vince like it. I just, I think there's a lot there. I would love to hear Dwayne John. I'd love to hear Dwayne Johnson's uh, take on all of this and talk to some people to see if he was somehow involved or advocated anyway. And if you want to hear my in-depth thoughts about uh, Shazam 2, Black Adam, and mm -hmm. the whole Dwayne Johnson thing, just say, uh, hey, Mike, how's it going in person? <laughs> <laughs> or message him really you don't even have to be anybody wait hold it was shazam, <laughs> yeah. was shazam 2 i mean i know it tanked at the box office was it really that disastrous yeah okay because the commercial i mean it's like a 30 second spot it looks like it could be kind of fun the first shazam was really fun they got held mirroring in it you know robert all i'll say is this i was in the theater and an hour in i was like Maybe I don't need to see all the comic book movies. Oh my! God. They broke me. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Shazam! Goddamn Shazam! All right. Well, let's go. Let's go to let's go to some actual wrestling. Um, our WrestleMania night one and night two. Let's start with night one. Night one, I think, could have. I mean, it's up there with some of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. If you're just if you're just looking at night one, I mean, you know, I can think of a few WrestleManias that are were maybe a little bit more noteworthy and better than, than night one. But as far as a full show, I mean, I just thought this was fantastic. You know, I was supposed to have people over. Unfortunately, my dog got sick, which sounds like a Terry Funk excuse. Um, but this, <laughs> it, this, this, this show from top to bottom, I thought was just a really incredible show. Um, we're going to open with Snoop Dogg and the Miz. I'm, we're going to talk about them more later. So I guess I'll skip over I mean, this, that. this show, this first night I was there. It was so well done that any rich kid who loves cocaine would watch and say, I should do my own stadium show. 
Now, Mike, you were there. This was your first WrestleMania ever. Yeah, Very yeah. Envious. I only, and I only media. did night one because uh, I care about myself. Well, I, I, you know, the first Mania I went to was 11, which I had a great time, but not a great WrestleMania in hindsight. And 35, yeah. which the first half was fun, and the second half got real long. But what yeah. was the vibe like there? I mean, I had a few friends there. Um, my buddy Taylor's there, and he just kept remarking upon, he's like, I have never seen more nerd cholos in my entire life <laughs> it was like what? there was like all these dudes with like w's like carved into their head and shit like all holding championship belts i mean it just looked like a fun fucking scene what was it like coming in there with your brother mike yeah it was fantastic yeah my, my, my brother doesn't really watch wrestling or anything it was like i bought i like i bought the ticket two days before my dad died and i was just like he was sick and i was like i think i'm gonna need this and i didn't even know i was gonna go with or anything and then when when i went to you know bury him and all that i was just like hey you want to go to wrestlemania and you know he's like the most casual casual he fucking loved the show i love the show it was a really fun you know this is a hot product vibe which i've never felt going to a wwe show um you know, at least in my adult life, like, and you've been to there big was... shows though. Like what was the last show that you and I went to together with Scott was grand slam. What was the vibe compared to grand slam? You know, it, it's funny because like the thing that I love about WWE and why I think that AEW will never be a threat is kids and the amount of kids. And there were kids behind us. Like for some reason, these two kids kept yelling that, Austin Theory looks like Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> but those those kids were in... Uh, one was like eight and one was maybe like ten, but they were into fucking everything. You know, the Rollins entrance. Like, there was no hijacking. And there isn't an AEW show either, but it also wasn't like a lot of alcohol. It wasn't like... I, I like AEW shows, but it is a little dude broy in some ways. I mean, I mean nerdy. It's just us. The problem is it's just all of us. It's just yeah. Us. And, and and the thing is, I hate myself, so I don't want to be with 20,000 <laughs> me's. And this had a much more, you know, obviously it's a larger crowd, but a much more diverse environment and, and just the level of professionalism outside. The only thing that, like, kind of sucked was the, uh, the Titantron went out a couple times. Like, so the first 10 minutes of Rollins and, and Logan um, got fix the screen chance because people couldn't really see what was going on. And as on. soon as they fixed that tre- screen, like, Oh, everyone was into it. Everyone was and, into it. It's good. It and then the like last, the, watch. the last three matches were just unbelievable live, like, and in different ways. I mean, I know we'll talk about them, you know, more in depth, but just the way that like that Dominic and it, it was so we'll fun watching it, yeah, like, for sure. Like, I saw a guy with like he had like three daughters with him, and they were all cheering for Ray together. It was just like this really cool um, experience, and and I, you know, I was like, man, I'm so excited to start being a fan of this company again. I'm gonna start watching, and now I don't have to. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, uh, did you do? You saw Raw? Well, I mean, it was it was a little rough, but I think they can. You know, they've yeah. they've shown they can bounce back before. Uh, wrestling does have an off season. Well, the the only thing I will all right before we even start the matches, I thought the national anthem she was kind of like uh, 
a little off key, don't you? I don't know. Yeah, I had no idea who she was. She has like four million followers, so we're a thousand. Also, I don't know where where Nick gets this crazy idea that The Rock is at all involved in like this WWE thing. Uh, oh yeah, WrestleMania opened with Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> a fair point. A I was fair surprised point. he didn't show up, though. I mean, it was Hollywood. He didn't show up. But let's uh, start with our opening match. Austin hey, hey, hey. We refer to him here as the Adam Cole of comedy. Austin Theory versus John He's the Cena. only heart that appeared on this show. Austin Theory, <laughs> Austin Theory versus John Cena. I thought the entrances were fantastic. <laughs> yes, they were. Especially John Cena's um, with all the Make-A-Wish kids. Um, but the, the stage was phenomenal. I think it was my favorite WrestleMania stage for sure. Scott, what do you think about this opening match? Yeah, you might be right about the stage. That was maybe my favorite stage. It looked awesome. Yeah. Uh, I understand having John Cena open your WrestleMania versus a young Austin Theory. I do not understand why the match ended the way it did. And I don't just mean Cena winning, even though I did want to see Cena win. I did too. I think my real issue is me personally. I did not feel like anybody went over in the match. And if you're going to have a match versus a young guy, make me feel something towards either of you. I didn't feel anything towards either of them. It felt like I just turned on the television and it was, you know, an episode of SmackDown or something, which is so weird to say. I completely agree with you. Although I will, I have heard, from almost everyone who was there alive that they loved it. Um, so I think it was like, it was weird. I mean, like Mike, you were there live and I think you had a more positive opinion of it than me and Scott, just because you were there live and had seen it. Yeah. I mean, this was the definition though of like, then the bell rang because it was like that entrance was fucking amazing. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to go out there and Cena told me no. <laughs> um, he's like you. You have too many years left. Yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. But then he saw you eat a chili dog, and he's like, "Come on up." <laughs> no, man. But the but it was really. It was like everyone was like, "Yeah, fucking WrestleMania, WrestleMania." And then it just felt like a like a, a house show match. Yeah. But not in like the fun way of like, "Hey, let's just go out there and have a good time." But like in the let's just get this shit over with because not many people are watching it. It didn't feel like it was an 80,000-person match. It, it had this, like, phoned-in feel to it. And it's also, I still think that Cena's promo was counterproductive to the point that it made you not even care about the result. Because he even said, if you win, you still won't be over, and no one will care. And then it's like, he's not. It, and it didn't, it didn't even feel like uh, this feeling of, like, oh, shit. Austin won. It was just like, ah, eh, Cena lost. Like, nobody, like, it, it was interesting because, you know, Theory came out later and it felt like the whole crowd had forgotten that this match even took place because the show got better and better. And this was an afterthought. Yeah. Also, it's like everyone was so into, uh, everyone's like, oh, Cena's got to win. Cena's got to win. I'm like, this guy fucking job to Baron Corbin in a SummerSlam after Corbin lost money in the bank. It's like, he doesn't fucking give a shit. Um, but it is crazy, right? Like you fed, you fed uh, Austin both Cena and Ray, right? Two of their most over baby faces in twenty years, and nothing's changed. I don't feel like his status has been lifted or anything. Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, I think I agree. I mean, I think he's he's his status got lifted with Hunter, but it's kind of stayed at this 
kind of plateau. But Robert, uh, who is a huge Cena mark, has has said that this match was good. Robert? Yeah, I mean, look, the match was, it was not great by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it gave you the right person to open Mania, which is, oh my God, it's John Cena. Uh, it's also John Cena who's in the middle of filming several different properties at once, and it felt like he was being very cautious. There was a lot of very familiar spots in here. He also hasn't wrestled a singles match in like a year and a half. And you kind of felt that a little bit in here. It was the first time Cena felt a little bit more like a part-timer than normal. I think Theory wrestled the match a lot more confidently than he did a year ago. And he's continued to show progress, but it was, uh, it was an odd finish. It was perversely hilarious that you brought out the Make-A-Wish kids and then Cena lost. And it felt like basketball. Uh, they should have cut two of those kids after and the fucking cowards didn't um i mean yeah, this, this really would have been you know to be fair this totally would have been saved if like if we just had one shot of austin theory just saying i beat your hero to those kids he should have brought it his own make-a-wish kids on raw if i was there that would have been my pitch <laughs> I want- I want to see an angry John Cena berating them. And he's like, did you see what those kids did for Bianca Belair? You're just going to sit there. You see why I lost? You got no energy. A chutzpah. <laughs> uh, uh, Nick, I'm going to keep on you for this next match. Street Profits versus uh, Braun Strowman Ricochet versus Alpha Academy uh, versus the Viking Raiders. I, I thought this over delivered. What did you think of it, Nick? I thought it was fine. I mean, the, it was it was it was a match. You know, it was a lot of people I liked. I was happy for the street profits. You know, uh, a weird refrain. Anytime I'd bring up these showcase matches, everyone would be like, "Well, there's no stakes." I wish there was stakes. I wish something was on the line for this match. Like to a T, I got that reaction from everybody about this match. So I thought it was fine. I was happy for the street profits. Just felt like another match. Um, I, I guess I agree with the masses. Probably would have been better if there was like a tag title shot, or you know, maybe that maybe. You, Win a tag title shot for night two on night one, something like that. Uh, it was it was fine. I enjoyed it. That's that's about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought there's a lot of fun spots here. Any, anything else to add, boys, before we get to the next one? This, this match, dude, it. this was great. This was great live. And it was funny, like, this, like, like sitting with my brother, he was like, oh, shit. Like, this was a, a fun match to show someone who hasn't watched wrestling in a while. And I think like like he was most impressed by like um, Ivar of the Viking Raiders. Just you know, like the shit. It's funny, right? Like these guys are on TV so much that nothing they do can ever feel special. But if you see that, if you see that fatty fly for the first time and you've never seen it, it's like this amazing thing. Agreed. And this was such a fun spot fest. I think that this should have opened the show because they just got all their shit in. Everyone had a blast, and it didn't overstay its welcome. I I thought that maybe on TV I take a star off this, but like, dude, on, on TV it would have been did... twice as long. This was only eight minutes and thirty seconds. Yeah, man, this was, it, but it was such a blast. There was no dead time in it. It, you know, this it, it's funny. This this was the most AEW match of the weekend, but it worked because they weren't all like that. Scott, and what the... do you think of this match? Then we'll get to yeah. Robert. Well, for some reason, every time I look back at night one, this match pops in my head. And I think it's because this felt like the first match for me. For some reason, I was so confused about the Cena match that when this got started, I finally like really enjoyed the crowd and the look 
and the the epicness of it all because you got to see someone like Ricochet go flying and see all these people in the crowd react. It was it was awesome. It was so so cool, and it shows how loaded their roster is. And Nick is right; they should have done, you know, not just in this match and maybe a few more where the result of the first night affects the second night. The only thing, my only Christmas that is they did that at thirty seven, and it didn't really pan out, but. Um, Robert, uh, you had some thoughts of this match? Yeah, I think the match itself was the first time you really heard the crowd, how loud they were at a couple different points. Dawkins trucking Braun Strowman got a, it sounded like a massive roar on TV. And that's tough when you're in a stadium and you're losing sound. And it just felt like everybody in that, in SoFi Stadium was there for this match. They were, they were plugged in. They were enjoying it. This is the first major disappointment for me because I didn't like the idea of the finish. Uh, they they were talking about how the winners of this would, you know, get a future tag title shot. So there were stakes to some degree. Um, but then having the Street Profits win this this great moment, and then on Raw, they just lose in what was an ice-cold match to another babyface tag team, sucked. It's why last week I said this should have been Viking Raiders. Let them win, to Mike's point, to see a big fat guy fly through the air and get a pin. They might cheer. You had stories to tell. And let the Viking Raiders get fed to Kevin Owens and Sammy. That's a feel-good moment for a Raw after Mania instead of babyface, babyface, and everyone sitting quietly when this same audience was so loud for this match here. I agree with you booking wise, but I thought the finish of this was phenomenal with the knee, knees up and in a yeah. bubble. It was great. Yeah. In a bubble. It was good. I mean, if I saw the Viking Raiders and Owens and Sammy in the same ring, I would just want to see them play D and D. Cause they look like everyone <laughs> I play D and D with. Yeah. You're like, what is this fucking Renaissance fair doing on a wrestling show? <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So Seth freaking Rollins versus Logan Paul. Um, my, a friend of mine who went said that uh, this was his favorite match, and he is a the most casual of casual of casual wrestling fans. Um, but he really liked this match, which I was kind of surprised about because, you know, I thought for a casual fan it would have been, you know, he was basically all he talked about was this match and how sexually attracted to Rhea Ripley is. But um, Mike, what did you think of this? Dude, this was fun, man. This is you know, this is. Sports entertainment, right? And Logan Paul fucking gets it. He, you know, the thing is, like, we, we make fun of these YouTubers and stuff. They care more about what people think of them and, and, and obsess about every, you know, criticism that they're going to often do great shit and put the work in. And this guy totally did. I mean, you know, it, uh, look, when, when he came down that zip line, I just heard someone behind me go, Owen Hart. Um, and we were all a little worried. <laughs> was it the um, kids? Was know. it those same kids? <laughs> yeah, I, did. I think it was, man. And then it just turns out that I was the angels kids. of death. <laughs> yeah, I I was the children. Um, no, uh, but dude, that, that but this whole thing was fucking fun. I mean, Rollins' entrance was fantastic with the with the uh, conductor. And um, it it was just uh, so fucking like goofy. We all were like, "Who's in the?" It was Chekhov's uh, prime bottle because we all knew it was going to factor into the match, you know. And and I know who KSI is because I've worked on pop culture shows and shit. Um, but a lot of people don't, and, and rightfully so. But uh, 
He was. I great thought that was fun, game. and I mean, look, man, the spot man. of him getting fucking splashed in the in the fucking bottles. It was it was just so fun, man. Like they are the best at this type of thing. Like, and the and and a lot of the great shit that happened on this show is stuff only WWE does perfectly, and this is one of those matches. Um, Scott, what do you, was this your favorite match of the weekend or no? No, no, but I, I did enjoy the hell out of it. Um, it's funny, you know, if this was Logan's first match, we would all be praising Seth even more. We'd be like, Seth is the greatest. Look what he did with, uh, with, with, with Logan Paul, but we know it's also Logan working his ass off with HBK. Yeah. I thought it ruled my nephew. He is 10. He buys prime in bulk at like. Costco <laughs> or something, and then he sells them to kids in school. So, uh, uh, man, you just narked him. <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, I like it. It's you know, I I think it's very very fun, and they should always do stuff like this. All right, and I think we're gonna see a lot more of this with the Endeavor uh, deal. Yeah, they got to be careful though, because like some of these fighters are not going to be good around wrestling. Sure, but I think, you know, celebrities even, I think they're just going to be scooping up celebrities. And Oh, yeah, yeah, I I agree. I I 100% agree. Um, Robert, anything to add? Nick, anything to add about this match? No, I I, loved Primey. Primey was great. Primey the mascot, big fan. Genuinely had no idea who that was. For half a second, I thought it was R-Truth. When they mm-hmm. took the mask off, and I was genuinely confused. Yeah, that uh, was Elijah both, buddy. You and yeah. Vince both. Oh yeah. Uh, also, this is the. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Adam, who watched it, and he was like, his daughter the next day was like, this was all over TikTok. She, you know, she doesn't know a lot of the wrestling stuff. She saw this clip with Logan Paul, KSI. That's where this has the most value. You're reaching an audience that would never have seen anything with wrestling, and they're seeing it on a platform that we're all too old and creepy to be on. And you're getting eyeballs on WWE and Logan Paul was fucking awesome in this. Just remember to follow me on TikTok, everybody. Um, all right. Well, let's get to a, a match. We probably don't have a lot to say about, but you know, I thought it was a fine match, which is Trish Lita, Becky versus damage control. Um, there was some good, I thought the match got better as it went along. There were some good spots uh, later on in the match. Was it a great match? No. Did it probably, stick out the least out of every match on the card. Yeah. But it, I don't think it was, you know, worse than the Cena theory match. Um, I think the big story of this is, is Bailey going to AEW. Was that part of an angle that tweet? Um, it seemed like a goodbye message on Twitter, but you know, wrestlers do that a lot. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on this match? Before we they move over, on? they over delivered. I, I think in terms of Trish and Lita are not, at all full-time wrestlers, you had to work around both of their limitations. I'm glad all these women got a, an opportunity to be on there. You know, the, Becky looked good. The the damage control team looked good. Uh, it was a, a well-paced, well-told little story. Mm-hmm. It was uh, funny. My brother was like, uh, because, you know, we, we, we did, this was the arena's bathroom break. The, the lines were so long uh, for everything during this. And he was like, oh, he's like, he's like, of course, we leave during the women's match. I'm like, no, we leave during this women's match so we could watch the one we care about. <laughs> yeah, times have changed, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, man. But this felt like this felt like one of those like 
WrestleMania, you know, in the teens or twenties matches, just the throw together, get the women on the card. Not much matters. And that dude, that sucks for Becky because Becky deserves more out of anyone on this. Like she's a fucking star. And she comes out there looking like one of the fucking make-a-wish kids happy to be with Lita and Trish. It's a terrible role for her. Mm-hmm. You just hate seeing people happy. <laughs> well, that's yeah. true, but that has nothing to do with this podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. My wife loved it. Her her knowledge of pro wrestling largely exists from, like, when SmackDown was on uh, UPN. And <laughs> so... It's she open. Yeah, she was she was marking out hard. She was in my she was she texted me quite a bit during this match. She really enjoyed it. So you talk about reaching that demo like they did with uh, Logan Paul and KSI. Another demo was grabbed by this bout. Women who loved SmackDown on UPN. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Trish Stratus is still fucking unbelievable looking. Um, That's my uh, perv comment of the podcast. Holy shit. Dynamite. And now this podcast is like the mid 2000s. (laughs) puppies all right let's move on to what i thought was the show stealer of the weekend um even though i don't think in ring it was the best match of the weekend i thought that just as far as like me having a fun time at home and everyone caring about it ray mysterio versus dominic mysterio by pinfall this was from entrance to finish i think perfect um I, I don't have one complaint about this match. I thought that um, they just, it was just one of these matches that, uh, you know, everything that needed to be in it was in it. And, you know, could Dominic have won? Sure. But, you know, you really couldn't have had him. You could not have had Dominic win with Cena losing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just thought this was, was fan fucking tastic. What do you think about it, Mike? Yeah, man, I fucking love this. Uh, it was this was this was the match for casuals, for people that are in the know. This was for everybody because you know another thing, right? That WWE has is the video packages, right? The best fucking post production team in in I fucking not just wrestling, but like one of the best ever. Not bad sports, I would say. Yeah, yeah, man. What you know in five minutes. They told the whole story. They had the fun moments. You got the the Thanksgiving and Christmas stuff. And, dude, like, yeah, everything, you know, this is a match more than any other where you count the entrances as part of the match. And Dom's entrance was, fuck it, I, my entrance of the weekend, uh, I thought it was fucking incredible. Um, my only problem was Mysterio felt like he had three entrances and should have just picked, like, even two at the most, <laughs> you know, because it's like he came out in the low rider, then and he had the then he had like the student music and the Eddie music and then his own music. Um, so I think like it would have been a little more, you know, could have been a little more like concise, but it was still fucking fun. Um, and the match itself, like this is this is what's great about wrestling, right? When uh, a take your belt off and spank your sunspot or your mom slapping you in the face could get a bigger pop than any fucking move that accidentally breaks a young, talented star's ankle. <laughs> uh, Scott, what do you think of this match? Yeah, this might have been match of the weekend, maybe. Uh, I loved it. This was, yeah, pro wrestling. 
at its finest. It was just such a fun story. It's been a fun story. And the fact that I'm even more interested in Dom coming out of it somehow uh, is impressive because you go, Dom needs Ray, and he has shown that he doesn't. He is going to be so much fun. Yeah, he's uh, just going to be yeah, a love Dude, this whole weekend, really, it, it, I just love that. I really do think it was a great WrestleMania weekend and a big weekend for wrestling, and so much of the focus was on Ray. The Hall of Fame, that was Ray's night. The T-shirts, the Hall of Fame T-shirts with the Mysterio mask and gold. It's just... Uh, the Hall of Fame was great. With, with yeah, man, I was so happy for him all weekend. Great. Yeah. So great. Yeah, this was my favorite, yeah. I mean, this, this, this... Tom has been so good that I think I like Damian Priest now. Like... Like that's how um let's not go that far. I'm yeah. starting to like Dame in, in yeah. that like it, I look at him like I look at Dominic. Does that make sense? Like I don't take Dominic that seriously as an athlete, obviously, and I really don't take Damian Priest that serious as an athlete, and I don't know why. I'm I'm surprised. I think the thing that I'm happy about happiest about this match is that I'm I had kind of romanticized the idea this was going to be Ray's retirement match. And somehow he was like, I mean, where else do you go from here other than putting your son over uh, at WrestleMania, knowing he's going to be fine? Um, but the fact he won, and we're going to, it looks like we're going to get this badass tag match, like Bad Bunny and Ray versus Dom and, and Priest. I don't know. I don't know what else you, I mean, there's a lot of pieces here to play with. You got the LWO, you got the Judgment Day. I don't know if this is going to, is this multiple? Does this peak at SummerSlam? I mean, I would think that Ray's last match has got to be when Dom finally beats him. So I, I just, I'm pleasantly yeah, surprised. Saying, I think you got to do mask versus hair. Something like, but I mean, we're not even, we're just getting cooking with these two. And you think about how much we've already done already with them. I think that's, that's my, the most pleasant surprise for me in all this is I'm just like excited to see more with, with these two and, and everybody around them here coming out of the show. And let me tell you, man, uh, Nick, you could probably attest to this since you were there. Bad Bunny got the biggest pop. Dude. He if, was... If, fucking over if he if he went up against roman in puerto rico and beat roman in puerto rico i think that there would be a large contingent of the wwe universe that would be fine with it it's <laughs> he is he's over in a way like it's tangible when he stands up you're like wow this guy's got an energy and an if roman beat him in puerto rico i would tell roman not to take a shower that night and just leave the <laughs> arena <laughs> Uh, Viano eight, nine, or ten sticking around or something like that, right? You know. Look, I think th this match we learned a very valuable lesson, which is uh, beating your child is officially sponsored by the Cinemoji brand cereal, which to yeah. me was the dumbest fucking part of. The I'm surprised no one mentioned this because all I'm doing that's is that's how good this match was. I didn't. I know that's the thing. It's so crazy. Thing. You have this high stakes emotional match. And then there's a dancing cereal mascot outside of the ring and the bright Cinnamon Toast Crunch logo. I, I'm all about product placement. I'm all about them capitalizing. This was probably not the match for that, no. uh, which was hard. Disagree. Hard disagree. Snoop was high as a kite. He requested those things be out there when he came out <laughs> in the lowrider. Also, it's the like, other major got to stay. You know, major fathers who beat their Robert fathers who beat their sons love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Back, back. Yeah, like they're not they're not feeding their kids, but also the other the major makes them hit the kid faster. Look, the major story coming out of this match more than anything else was during Dom's entrance. He was escorted to the ring by Russell Roast alumni Dan Barry. And the idea here is when you're on our show, your next stop is WrestleMania. Um, 
You, I guarantee yeah. you, if you come on this show, we now have Nick Hausman and Dan Barry. And Luke Gallows. Three guys who have been part of Mania. Gallows didn't get on WrestleMania. Not this year, because b- before he's been on. We, we, we've given him the rub yeah. in the past. He was, he was part of the SmackDown Battle Royal, Dan. It's still huge. Dude. And Robert, I, I think the reason we, we, at least I'll speak for myself, that didn't mention that is it's obviously a glaring thing. And, and it would be my low spot of, of this show is the amount of advertising and commercials and all that. But I think it sucks because it's like, it takes away from the performers and they had nothing to do with that. And I think we're just trying to give credit to how well they fucking did despite the cinnamon toast crunch thing. I think the problem was the logo was so bright around the ring. It was distracting during the match. Like Ray already has the bright costume. You want to focus on Ray. You don't want to focus on the bright cinnamon toast crunch logo and the dancing mascot. When you're trying to say like this, this is an interesting, compelling story that you want to show someone. And so like, look, wrestling is an art form. This is how it can be good. And then you see the, uh, the luchador uh, cinnamon toast crunch mascot. This was, oh yeah, you're this absolutely was, right, and especially two matches after the fucking prime bottle, right? You're like, oh, is I gonna do this shit again? Yeah, it, it, it did not help. It just, you know, it, I think it's a credit to these guys that they I want Akibano well. versus the Goodyear float next year. <laughs> <laughs> Yokozuna's dead. Akibano, he's still around. Uh. <laughs> he probably has lost some weight though, if he's still alive. So. I guess yeah. they're disappointed, like, oh, I'm sorry you got healthy. Yeah. I, I will say this was significantly uh, a significantly better way of using an advertiser because I was at the Rumble in San Antonio, and I've never felt a room die a death harder than that pitch black match. So I'd say I, this was at least a step up. I disagree. That. I think the, the Mike's Hard Lemonade that they did night two worked better. Oh, yeah, but booze is easy. No, but even the way they integrated it by having a commercial and filming it like that worked versus having the giant mascot out there. I think during this match, you could have had this be part of, you know, something else like, you know, you have the dying children and the serial mascot all disappointed that John Cena lost. Yeah, I mean, alcohol sponsors Europeans beating each other up all the time. It's called any soccer game. Mike, uh, mm-hmm. you're an entrance guy. Where would you rank Dom's entrance as far as best entrances of all time? Dude, it's up there because it's it was character driven, you know. Um, and I think that adds so much to it that it wasn't just spectacle for the sake of spectacle. It really led into the story. Um, I put this up. I put this up there with Rusev's tank. Oh, which is just sure <laughs> top tier entrance for me. It is, and just for the record, the, I know there's the whole controversy right now about how during Dom's entrance they showed a shot from Auschwitz. That was not intention. They were not showing a shot of Auschwitz. They thought that's what it was. It was somebody in graphics who probably looked up a a, uh, a, a easy to license shot of what they thought was a prison, and they put it in there for three seconds. They weren't thinking, "Oh, this might potentially be a concentration <laughs> they, camp, and we want to be offensive." I mean, that is like, a pretty. That's pretty bad. I didn't know they fucking. Yeah, man, they did oh, that. Here's place. Well, Robert, now we'll never forget the match. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is the production guys need to concentrate I, I think, a little more. Uh, I think I think Jackson Riker is denying the match even exists. So, um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's keep going. Wow. We got Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. I think this over delivered by a million percent. I mean, this was a build where Charlotte, 
I mean, to put it mildly, was struggling as a baby face. I mean, it was really horrendous how bad she's been. I think Charlotte's great, man. I think she's a great heel. I think in ring, there's like, I mean, like Scott said it before, she should be wrestling fucking dudes in Japan. She should be having matches with Ishii. That's how snug she works. Um, But this match, man, from beginning to end, and if you just think about this match in terms of their last match and the transformation of Rhea, um, I did, you know, I, I know Robert, and we'll get to it, was upset by Charlotte's post-match reaction, which I, I agree with. But I thought, like, from beginning to end, this was probably the best wrestled match on the call. I mean, maybe this or, I mean, I guess you could say maybe Cody Roman until the end. But as 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 far as a match, I mean, whoo, doggy. What did you think about this, Scott? Yeah, I think this was the best wrestled match of the weekend. Um this was unbelievable. There was a few spots in here that felt like big wrestling match moments and not like something that was completely pre pre-planned and expected like, you know, wanting that audience reaction. It all felt very real and natural and felt like a fight. You know, Charlotte uh, got fucked up, man. That little cut on the bridge of her nose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I loved this. This, this was a big one for me. Unbelievable match. Charlotte uh, crying because she always does. You know, it was just so, so good. Rhea's just like, I mean, she may be a generational talent, man. She's I unbelievable, think. man. Unbelievable. And they they did. They worked so, so tough with each other. Uh, that Yeah, you can't walk away thinking like, oh, Rhea didn't earn that. You know, it was, it was just I mean, so. You, you too. It's like she walked backstage and it was like. Flair, who never has a good thing to say about any of Charlotte's opponents, he was hugging her. Andrade was hugging her. It was like, oh, good, good. Everybody... Yeah, they, they knocked it out of the park, man. I, this is definitely Charlotte's best WrestleMania match, right? This oh, might, is this the best look. women's WrestleMania match? Yeah, oh, I, I think, think so. Hundred percent. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I, would, yeah, say I would agree with that. Sasha yeah, Bianca was pretty fucking close. No, it was great, but yeah, I think this is the best women's WrestleMania match ever. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. What else do you guys have to add? I just wanted to say they wrestled like they were it was the kind of uh it, they wrestled like they wanted to prove they should have been the main event. And yes. that, that bled through to me where it was like, OK, fine, you're not going to give it to us. We're going to go out there and do something so good that even Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens and the Usos can try to follow it. You know, they wrestled like they were the main event. And it felt like that. They did. The problem was that the bill didn't warrant that spot. And the WWE made the right decision not giving them the main event because there was not a compelling story going into it. And there was definitely a chance that this crowd was going to be quiet for it. Rhea and Charlotte kind of said, fuck that. We're going to beat the hell out of each other. And we're going to make you care about every moment that happens in the match. And the match delivered, and my gripe about this is it delivered until right after the match was done. And rather than selling, like Charlotte was supposed to, she rolls out of the ring and smiles to be like, this is a performance. Let me take talking to backstage people that she was supposed to be just dead. I can neither confirm nor deny any of that. However, theoretically, hypothetically, uh, there were people who were slightly agitated about the fact that Charlotte was supposed to be selling so that Rhea has her moment rather than we cut to Charlotte and Charlotte is smiling and like, you know, yay, what a great performance we just had versus I was just in a war. Rhea beat me. This is her moment. Well, she also I think she made a decision and I'm not even saying she's necessarily wrong because the crowd was so hot for the match and they should be so proud of themselves. I I saw the smile as a I'm proud of Rhea moment, which I actually liked. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was too. I saw it as like, goddamn, that girl's got it, uh, and 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 the future of women's wrestling is going to be okay, you know. And then Vince reemerged. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. I mean, what was interesting about this live was that it did build. It was like you know, like 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 Robert said, like it it, it didn't have like the most hype going in. You know, they both look like stars, so. It had that going for it immediately, but they earned the interest. And and by like minute, you know, like by like halfway through, people were so into this. And just, I mean, and this was one of those, yeah, it was my brother was like, man, fuck. Like, he's like, man, they never, I've never seen a women's match this good. They, you know, I was explaining like the women's revolution to him and everything in the last few years. And I mean, and this match was so emblematic of it because there was no other match even like this on the card, you know, anyway, uh, this night, I, you know, I, I think the, the triple threat the next night, you know, but the, the heart hittingness of this was so fucking just awesome. And, uh, I mean, I think that this, this night alone will go down as I think one of the best fucking manias just for having three fantastic, main event feeling last matches that were all great in different ways. Um, all right, folks. Well, let's move on. Pat McAfee versus The Miz. Less said about this match, the better. Um, not as good as Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. Way better than Pat McAfee versus Vince McMahon. That is the faintest praise. Any thoughts on this match? I mean, we're going to have so many more thoughts on night two and the miss. I mean, this 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 match is like Dan's career, where I was just waiting for Stone Cold to show up the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, me too. All right, Dude, I mean, this was the thing. Like, and I like McAfee. I love him as an announcer. This was not. Uh, this did not get that big of a pop. Like, and people were like, "Oh yeah, we like him," but it's just it wasn't exciting to see him be the one to come out with the Miz and everything. And I thought, I thought that when they said somebody tough, I thought you were going to hear the glass break and um, get that massive pop. Cause Austin is always over. Yeah. And with McAfee, I mean, this just, this really did feel like filler. See, I kind of assumed that the, the plan here was like, you'll get this moment night one and then Miz is going to have an even bigger opponent night two. And it's going to be more <laughs> memorable and in one way, I was way more right than I thought it was going to be. No, I mean, you were right. Just like the Shane thing was crazy. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll get to that. But also, Mike, do you know who George Kittle is? I don't. Okay. So He's that his was, co-host, right? No, that's not his co-host. George Kittle is a uh, uh, an active you have, NFL. The weird thing is you have big Los Angeles Rams players, you know? You do, but Kittle's, a, do Kittle's a legit WWE fan. It's like I, it was just a. It, I think from that end, it was a nice little moment telling, like we know we're going to get a bigger story later, which is eventually going to be Snoop Dogg getting his his revenge on Miz, and this gave the crowd that Pat McAfee moment when Nick Khan kept saying in the build up, like no, no, Pat's not going to be here. He's a really busy guy, and they thought this is going to be a huge surprise. It was an okay surprise, but in the fans' mind, they're like it's going to be Stone Cold or it's going to be The Rock. And it was almost like an AEW thing where they uh, they built it up in their head and it didn't give what, exactly what they thought it was going to be. I mean, this was just a bump in the road because, like, the momentum was so fucking high off of, you know, those last two matches. And you know that this main event with this beautiful story is happening. And you're like, 
I gotta watch this shit. It was just, it was like, it was, you know, a, a downer to me. It was, you know, the popcorn match. Well, speaking of uh, anything to add on this, Scott? No, I don't think Pat McAfee is a surprise for uh, confrontation. He's a surprise. Go sit down on commentary, you know? Yeah, he's an added bonus. It's like when you go to a delicious restaurant and they give you a delicious appetizer for free. Yeah, and I think between this surprise and the surprise the next night, you go, oh, you guys don't have any surprises. And no. that was surprising. And they have bad That was money. the only surprise, is that yeah. I was surprised that they don't have surprises for us. Well, Logan Paul did the GTS and no one gave a shit. No, yeah. nobody gave a fuck, dude. Dude, I don't, I don't know if Punk's big return to WWE. I mean, they could build it up, but I don't think it would be as big as we thought it would be. Only if he faces off against Nick Houseman again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, DM me. Um, I think Punk will be back in AEW. It's looking that way, right? Yeah, it's looking like it. Yeah, it's looking that way. They're gonna I'm, fucking need it, bro. If they want to fill yeah. that amount. Well, right. I want. I just want to say crumpets are as good as cupcakes. I, I wanted to just say on Mike's point that I thought Stone Cold was also coming out to this because they were actually selling Stone Cold shirts, Hollywood yeah. shirts, and I was like, in in retrospect, since we got no Steve Austin. Like, A, I feel teased, and B, I wonder if there were plans that were dropped because why, I don't know, be weird to make I know, I, I know he was pitched a couple matches, but I don't think they could agree on anything. Yeah, anyway, there were shirts no, there. That's what here. Steve is way busier with more important things to focus on. Right, hey, Dan? buddy. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. I would say so. I would say sometimes the main event isn't at WrestleMania. Sometimes it's on Peacock. But we'll see, folks. I'm not gonna... Enough about Bel Air. <laughs> the guest of Bel Air was at Raw on Monday night, by the they way. They got booed so bad because I think the audience thought it was going to be the real cast from like the real Fresh Prince, and they didn't get like, you know, real Carlton. Yeah, but they got evil. Nobody wants evil Carlton. What the fuck is up with that show? All right, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Versus- hey, his name is Byron Saxton, okay? <laughs> Kevin and Sami Zayn versus the Usos tag team match for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship. Um, you know, work rate rise was this a uh, was this Young Bucks and Pangman Page and Omega? No, it wasn't. Uh, no, it wasn't because like, I like this match. Oh come on! It also wasn't like an FTR, you know, kind of NWA ish classic, but it was a phenomenal main event, a phenomenal probably. I mean, was it the best tag team match in WrestleMania history? I don't know. That's a question. No, because there was the TLC match, but it's up there. Um, and the uh, the emotional payoff of this was so much more important than the match itself. The last two minutes of this match, when Sami Zayn is about to give his third hell of a kick, and he gives that look to the camera, which is was just kind of like, oh, my God, I'm going to win this. It's going to be okay. And then they do. Wow. Scott, what do you think of this match? Loved it. I loved this so much. I, um, in terms of like in ring, right? There was that disappointment at first until I realized they were doing the right thing, which is the Usos are the tag team. Owens and Zayn, though they are friends, they are not nearly the tag team that the Usos are. And therefore, it is going to be a a real struggle for them. The Usos will mostly have the upper hand, and these guys are going to have to like out singles them at the same time. 
And that's what we got to happen. The uh, Those final moments in the corner were so good. Owens diving and, and doing that little cannonball thing he does from uh, from Hook. The fat kid in Hook does it. It's yeah. sort of his move in the corner. Uh, and then Zayn with, with the with the fine uh, halluva kicks. Loved, loved, loved to end WrestleMania with a tag match. Says so much about what these guys did. This was so enormous. And the crowd watching this, knowing they were getting a conclusion to a story that they loved so much. It's never going to be exactly what you pictured in your head. But it was really fucking close, and 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 I loved it a lot. Very close, man, and and the whole crowd stayed. That's how you know, um, yeah, Mike. I mean, was there fatigue in this match since you were there the whole time? No, no, there wasn't. People were into this. They were really excited. They even stayed for the hug afterwards. Um, you know, yeah, like and that final moment of the embracing, and this is another one of those the video package things, right? If you don't watch a lot of wrestling. When they show these dudes as like pimply teenagers and shit, like that's such like an image of I get this story now. These guys are lifelong friends, and um, I mean these are the dudes. They look like anyone in the audience. They look like most people in the audience. They look like everyone in an AEW audience, and you know, and they're in the fucking main event. Uh, it had yeah that big fight feel. Cole did a great job on commentary too, which I'm like shocked to say. And the you know Jimmy Jimmy tagging Jay in at the beginning was such a great spot. There were so many like little moments. Sammy hooking up. I mean, and yeah, it was like uh, a <laughs> the way Sammy hooks like, up is awesome too. Because usually when someone hooks up, it's like Hulk or Hulk or Sting where they're just like immediately like. uh strong and instead he like comes alive like an undead zombie or something yeah but I, I said to a friend it was like when 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 uh owens and zane hugged it re- reminded me of eddie and benoit but we don't have to worry because owens doesn't own any gym equipment <laughs> yikes <laughs> <laughs> oh joke of the podcast market right there wow okay Mike just goes away now Uh, uh, Robert what do you think of this Nick I'll get your opinions I mean this is this was the best uh, entertainment match of the weekend I think this was your emotional crescendo they built this story so well for a year this is why wrestling is fun to watch it's it was not uh, you know uh, a 15 star classic match didn't need to be didn't have to be shouldn't have been this was the audience was there for this emotional ride. They got the payoff. And there's just something about finishing the story at WrestleMania and giving the <laughs> audience the proper conclusion that makes the WWE the best. And I'm glad this is how WrestleMania ended. And then nothing else happened the rest of the weekend. Nick? Uh, I thought it was, uh, yeah, all things, everything everybody said it was a great match. I do, I want to give them credit in the in the press conference. They made a point to uh, put over uh, Jay Briscoe. Uh, at the very end, and I thought that was really nice. I mean, considering how wonderful that night was, that they they did that, I thought it was just MPWG, a little bit... yeah, they yeah, uh, yeah. They're really oh, nice. and it was weird hearing Michael Cole say El Generico. <laughs> well, yeah, they uh, had Super Dragon on it and the PWG logo, right? Yeah, yes, the gorilla, yeah. Number two, Brock Lesnar. El Generico. We're talking about Commander now. <laughs> night two uh we open with brock lesnar versus omos in a match that i think this went 
exactly like everyone thought. Maybe some people thought it was like a tad bit better. It was fine. Anybody have anything to say about this match? Nobody died. Yeah, I got actually, a way better reaction live than I was expecting. The fans were really enjoying it. I thought. I don't know if you got Mike, you were there as well. Like I I was not there for night two. Oh, you weren't? Okay. I thought live way better reaction than than I expected because like the fans were just digging watching Brock throw himself at this dude. And then Omas would throw I had a lot of people say they really enjoyed that match, uh, at least at the show. Only yeah. downside to this match is there wasn't a live feed of Undertaker watching and laughing so hard that Brock believed him. <laughs> I mean, the best part of this match was that it was five minutes, which yeah. is the exact length it should have been. 4.55, actually. But there you go. Where do you go with Omos from this now, right? Like, I, mean, I, I guess you have him face Elias on the hottest Raw in years and completely lose half the audience. Dude. That's what you do. I guess. All right, next. Uh, this The less said about this match, the better. Probably, I mean, probably the... Well, if, let's not say anything. <laughs> actually, yeah. Women's WrestleMania Showcase, Ron and Shayna won. Next up, uh, Gunther defeated Sheamus and Drew. No, 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 hold on. Before that, Dan, there was a fantastic moment where Bobby Lashley walked out with the oh, Andre God. the Giant trophy to just stand there and then leave. Well, he's a nice body, so... Still better than the women's uh, four-way. All right, Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew. This was a hell of a lot of fun. I think, you know, when you take when you take in the finish into consideration, it was match of the night. Um, although, like, you know, it wasn't I wasn't nearly invested in it like I was the main event. Um, but uh yeah, I mean these guys it, it was exact this was exactly what we wanted it to be. Three guys beating the shit out of each other. I thought they could have put the title on anybody in this match, but they had Gunther win, which I think is a good choice. What do you think about this, Nick? That was it was very hard hitting. I'll say that I could feel the chops like up in the press box. Uh, I mean, Brad I was even... Hart did not like this match, by the way. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I thought Brett didn't like it because he doesn't like the chops, right? Did, I'm sure. I, I you sure it's not the kicks to the head? What? <laughs> oh, I know that I know Brett asked Rick not to chop him, and there was that that back and forth back in the day. So yes, Brett Hart may have given this one out. No, no, Brett said you get three chops. That's it. Four out of ten, right? Isn't that a thing? Yeah. Um. No, his thing is getting kicked in the head and losing his career. Oh, got it. Wow, guy, the guy's a bar owner. He's a small business owner. Give him a break. Like Goldberg once said, "Ain't that a kick?" And oh my god. All right, Nick. Brett was always, yeah, I no, I Brett was always very nice to me for what it's worth. Um, but not anymore. Well, uh, you're not, not a threat to his ego. That's true. I'm nobody. Um, I thought that this was very, very good. It was exactly what everybody wanted. Didn't go too long, and they must want Gunther to to break this IC title record that's held by the honky tonk man right now. I I don't I, I you've gone this far with him. I don't know why you wouldn't be willing to go three more months or four more months or whatever it is. So I thought it was good. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was great. Um how'd you like all these meaty men going against going against each other, Scott? Oh loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh I thought Gunther's entrance was one of my favorites because Imperium got to stand on the edge of the stage and it looked like some some Roman shit. Uh yeah, I just thought it was hard hitting. Sheamus, so over, so, so, so over. What do you do? It's been a 
it's been almost a year of him like getting these reactions when they're in front of giant crowds or it's European crowds. Is that what it is? I I don't know. I think he's one of those guys who's really proven himself. Um, you know, he's the one guy I understand the WWE universe loving. I don't really get it with LA Knight yet, but with Sheamus, I'm like, all right, well, this guy like went from being cold as ice to them being just a legitimate hot baby face you can have go against Roman at some point. And it's really all on, on the work that he's done. I mean, and really all on the work he's done with Drew and, and, uh, and, and Gunther, even though he had some good matches with, with uh, Matt Riddle and some others. So. Yeah. Oh, anything to add, Mike Robert. I mean, this match was stiffer than you and Lashley came out. So, look, Drew was motivated, Sheamus is motivated, Gunther was motivated. This match was fucking awesome. Cole put it over during on commentary as this being a a really important, great match. And it was absolutely fucking fantastic. These guys beat the hell out of each other. They told the story. It uh, it totally worked and was definitely match of the night. Yeah, man, it was fucking fun. And it's like, this is what these guys do. I, I will say my one complaint and it's the complaint of all these types of matches is the amount of time that any one opponent is like knocked out while the other two are fighting is just ridiculous. And I'm, I'm sure it was even sillier live because like Gunther was out for like six minutes before like his last moment in there. And I don't know, man, I, I'd love to see more of these, especially these guys who are like these big, you know, hosses just all be in the ring at the same time it, it just kind of devolves into the same old shit when one guy's knocked out because it's like he never would be knocked out that much in a singles match i would do yeah do this again man um bianca belair versus asuka what do you think about this match nick this match was fine it struggled with no backstory uh i i mean bianca beat her latest opponent um, that's that is my thoughts on this match. I wish I had deeper thoughts. I don't, you know. It was a good match. Happen. I mean, I, I thought it was a f- really good women's match, but they didn't. Yeah, the build left something to be desired. But Bianca was super over. Oscar was super over. I thought the Bianca entrance with those with those dancers kids. was phenomenal. Yes. Um. But yeah, I mean, I also can't disagree. You know, compared to some, it was of- weird to see Bianca come out with kids and then win. Yeah, <laughs> but this I dude, that entrance man was so fucking awesome and and well done the way that they did it and just like, I mean I you know and then hearing the backstory later but the way that they you know they talked about the the program and all that it's like having you know women of this magnitude in this company that just yeah like I mean when you think of the revolution and all that like that they're as big as stars and. And there were fucking girls in the audience that paid to see this and fucking love it. And it's, you know, I'm just saying, uh, you know, it's nice to see a company with a good women's division. Um, All right. Well, we have three things to talk about here. One of which we're going to talk about far less. So we'll start off with that. Edge versus Finn Balor in a Hell in a Cell match. This to me was the ultimate just kind of their match. Anybody else have anything to add? It's the Triple H match. Triple H isn't there, but now someone else is coming out with a skull mask and jerking off for 25 minutes. 
Yeah, and the injury that that ladder to the face sucked the oxygen out of the room. As soon as Finn went down, it was the, the match really never got back on the tracks again. You, you know what messed it up for me? It's this the the last few weeks them talking about oh we got the the old school steel cage back. It's not a it's not a color, and I, I go oh great because like like that should even matter. But you go okay great, and then they start pulling out weapons. And it's like red for Edge, purple for Finn. That's absurd. That was insanely stupid. That was the dumbest shit. I a, a purple kendo stick, a red chair. I wanted this match to be so good, and it was plotting and boring and and directionless. It, it could have been so good. You know, you know it's bad when you go. Oh man, hopefully the fiend shows up so something interesting could happen. <laughs> this felt like it took place. Honestly, it felt like it took place in the Thunderdome. Like it yeah, was like, if it's gonna be cheese, be cheese all the way. It's so like this was the greatest demon. match ever. Yeah, <laughs> you had the demon for no reason. Uh, you know, edge. No reason. No reason. No. Other and, than what to kill him, and then, and, and then you go. He doesn't work. Like, yeah, this felt like a Vince McMahon production. And, and now he moves like a monkey. It was fucking. Goofy. Oh, dude, and I, I wanted him to crawl the entire way. That entire ramp length, I wanted him to crawl. <laughs> Yeah, he was acting like a type of dog. Like you ever see like a, a kid act like a dog in a play? You're like, Toto doesn't have to be played by a kid. Just just get a stuffed yeah, animal. That demon entrance should never have any daylight in it. And there was still a little daylight and it was rough. Oh, Dan, and Dan even, even, even Butch was at the monitor. Butch was at the monitor going, dude, you're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> yeah, he was chewing on a bone. <laughs> <laughs> they, Dan, they were... Dan, they were just so far ahead on time. The vibe was that second night. They had so yeah, much extra yeah. time. Yeah, Felt totally. Like totally. What were you saying, Robert? <laughs> I was going to say, you're just upset Gangrel wasn't there. I uh, was upset. Like a genuinely, yes. Gangrel should have been there. Just come out for the beginning. Have him levitate for God. I hey, thought he was what? working I... everyone because he posted on his Facebook that he was like up flying home to Fort Lauderdale from, uh, from Mania. And he posted it on like Saturday. I'm like, uh... He's trying to work everybody so he can have a big surprise moment at Mania. And then instead we got that weird, like, disco ball skull mask. Was he just I mean, to, to, to oh, sorry. I was going to say, to be fair, Dan has every right to be upset because he had to hear Gangrel complain about it at AA on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually Gangrel's sponsor. <laughs> well, you know what's funny, Dan? It's a fangless job. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Dan, at Dan's wedding and this is true for listeners who don't know who weren't around for Dan's wedding uh, it was it was more brood than Edge's entrance Dan had the saxophone player from the, from Lost, the Lost Boys, Boys. at his wedding and that's we true. didn't even get fucking Gangrel that's true we didn't so. even get the brood music no! the best theme song in wrestling Shut uh. up, Tim Capella. All right, this 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 segment. I mean, this was phenomenal for me in a lot of ways. First off, because I wasn't checking my phone, and I got to check me, Mike, Robert, and Scott are all in a text thread, and it was hilarious because I was like, "What the fuck happened?" Because the reaction on the text thread, I, I wasn't watching in real time. I had a show. The reaction on text thread was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" To then. <laughs> holy shit did that just happen and i was like what what's going on uh if you didn't see it snoop dog uh introduces shane mcmahon as mrs mystery partner he they start to lock up shane throws like some of the worst punches i've ever seen leapfrogs tears his quad 
A ref comes in, immediately gets him out of the match. Snoop Dogg comes in, gives gets a gives him a people's elbow and wins. Which Meltzer was like, it really wasn't that good of uh, a people's elbow. And I'm like, you are really missing the forest for the trees here because this to me was just this has to be on every mania from now on. This to me is as important as the entrances. Having one match that you're just like, what the fuck was that? Shane's uh, the new Pete Rose. Yeah, what was uh what... I mean I mean to be fair, Dan, uh Meltzer's never been in a forest with trees because if he was he'd still be there counting all the leaves on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what do you think of this match? Oh, I mean, this, dude, this was I mean, here's this thing. Like I, this I made felt the like joke chocolate ice cream for you. I, I made the joke about it earlier, but like, you know, that, that Dante injury on Ring of Honor was just really sad. So, I mean, it completely was unnecessary because Penta could have grabbed the belts. But, you know, uh, seeing a guy, what is he, 21, 22, get that level of an injury, it's just fucking, you know, it was a bummer, right? And then this was the opposite of that. This was the complete opposite. You know, you never want to laugh at people getting hurt, but sometimes you can. And this is one of those moments because everything about it – him running out, being blown up, rambling. I mean, and and then just on a dude, I, I just wanted like when they do like the next don't try this at home video and they show all the like, moonsaults and stuff. I just want to see like Shane's leapfrog. <laughs> it's just so it's dude, it's a it's a leapfrog. It's the silliest name for a move. And <laughs> he tore his quad on it. And I mean, dude, like knowing, you know, what happened last year with Shane and and in the company and you know Vince now being back I mean I'm sure if we rewatch this we could just hear uh ha, ha, ha. yeah Vince what do you I mean sorry Robert what do you think Vince's reaction was backstage <laughs> I just sold my company for nine billion dollars and this is the highlight of my week <laughs> so you think he just like it wasn't like he wasn't like freaking out like he is sometimes he was... i'm so disappointed we didn't get to see what the actual creative was gonna be here like what the fuck on paper did they have planned for this finish it's mind-boggling that they thought any out like unless this was what was planned which would have been a fucking like next level 3d chess kind of move but there is no better ending than this. Honestly, it was so fucking good. And and here's the Snoop Dogg for jumping in so quickly and and making this thing look seamless. Yes. Snoop Dogg really hit the Miz. It's like he was a little confused about what happened. But Miz got a little fat lip there. This is perfect. It was everything I, I ever wanted. Yeah. Also, it's Miz, like, Miz started laughing, right? Dude, everybody was laughing. <laughs> also, shame on that crowd for cheering when when Shane came out. <laughs> crazy that they all reacted like uh, he isn't the worst. That should have well, been also. You know, it was weird because this this actually right. This was before the the Balor match, I think. Yeah, this was before Balor. And and so in both instances, right with Edge and Miz, where you're these opponents, and you know you're supposed to be fighting a guy and. Look, they did the absolute right thing in both. Like, kudos to both referees, right? Like, just so no one should be hurt. But it's got to be fucking weird as that opponent to just be standing there 
And I mean, you know, a segment is a shit show when everyone's like, well, thank God for the improv skills of Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, did you were you in a class with him? I did. I did. I did. I, I took classes. <laughs> we were at the annoyance together. Susan Messing was wonderful. <laughs> annoyance. That's what Vince calls Shane. Um, yeah, I mean, this was just he doesn't call Shane. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this was just. It is, uh, you know, I mean, I will say this, Watch uh, watching this and then watching Secession later in the night, it, it just all felt like the same show. Except right. this is better. Our, our, our main event, Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes, singles match for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. I thought the work from both of these guys, especially Roman in the match, was fantastic. And then, you know, Cody lost. I'm going to do the controversial take. I don't I don't think Cody's the guy. Um, I'm not I'm not co-signing on what happened on Raw, but I don't think Cody's the guy. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, though, I mean, I can't I can't deny the fact that everybody in that arena was like, what the fuck? And then everybody I talked to was like, what the fuck? Um, Robert, you had some uh well, you really talked about Raw, but really get into this main event. I mean, you you really had a problem with it. This was an incredibly stupid decision on the WWE's part. It was short-sighted. It was wrong. You have not had a proper main event babyface made in the WWE since John Cena at 21. And Cody Rhodes is a guy who I know you think he might not be the guy. He sells merchandise. He appeals to kids, which was Mike's point. He has a crossover presence. He's someone you can trust to do press conferences, even if Nick Hausman is there. He is yes. a guy who has the boyhood dream story. He has the, the second generation story. You have the, I left WWE, I have come back, and I'm going to you know fulfill this promise. The crowd was into him this entire time. They did not ever turn on Cody when we all assumed they were going to boo Cody at some point. They were there to see oh, they Cody, were there for Cody win. You accepted the fact that Sami Zayn lost at Elimination Chamber because you thought, you know what? Cody winning is the right story. They have not been able to position anyone to be a legitimate top-tier main event babyface until this Cody match. Roman winning and holding the title for a 1,000 days does not sell any additional T-shirts, doesn't sell any additional tickets. It doesn't really matter. Cody got one bite at the apple, which is winning at WrestleMania. You're winning in front of your wife, who thankfully didn't talk. You're winning in front of, of John Huber's kid. You have the audience there for you in this moment, and you would have made him. And if for whatever reason, it didn't work. You go two months, three months down the road, and, and he falters or he fails. You turn him heel. You bring Roman in as a baby face. You're good. Or you have Cody turn around and lose to anyone else. You have a whole roster of heels who are ready to go against Cody this entire summer. You can turn Lashley. You've got Drew. You've got Gunther. You've got Brock. You literally had Brock the next night. If Cody went out there with the title and was anointed champ and Brock attacks him and Brock loses in Puerto Rico and goes away, it's something to have done to have made Cody a top star. Instead, it's just, well, now we still have Roman. So who's really going to beat him? Is it going to be Cody in diminished returns? after this WrestleMania, or is it going to be somebody else that we don't even have line of sight of? There is no one else who's even remotely ready 
And the worst part of all of this, and then I'm going to stop talking because Mike hates when I filibuster, is they keep telling us, you know, trust us. We know where we're going. Vince is in charge of storytelling now. You really think this guy is going to be able to pull off the long-term story they think they're going to be telling? No. They bungled this moment. They fucked up the chance for Cody to make them a lot of money. And whatever they do now is going to be diminished returns. This was a fucking catastrophically stupid decision on WWE's part. Oof. Wow. Strong uh, words from uh, a, well, from a lawyer. Hold on. My check just came in from Nick Khan. I love this finish. <laughs> fucking great. Nick, uh, um, would you, where do you, where do you lie on this? Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't love it. I don't hate it. Um, I'm sad because I thought Cody was going to end racism with his victory. And so I guess racism exists still. Um, but unfortunately, un- unfortunately um, but no, I, I'm not, I don't hate it. I, my, my takeaway is they have to be so pot committed to doing Roman versus the rock. Even if, even if Roman's going to beat the rock or maybe they want the rock to win, who knows? But they have to be so pot committed to getting that match done for the title that they're willing to wait another year or six months or, or whatever it may be because that they've gone this far. Maybe they're willing to go a little bit further. You know, um, I, I I cannot think of any other reason to do this other than that. And, uh, of course, I put out that conspiracy theory earlier that The Rock deeply ingrained in whatever's going on with Endeavor and WWE. So, you know, again, central focus here. I think Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I think that's what they're waiting on for sure. Scott and Mike, what did you think of this? I mean, dude, we couldn't even get Shazam and Black Adam, so... Uh, and they're mortal enemies since 1942. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get <laughs> the Rock and Roman. Um, I mean, look, like, I, here's what I want to see. You know, when they do those, like, behind-the-scenes, like, access, like, WrestleMania shows, I really want to see the WWE personnel that had to tell Negative One he couldn't go out in the mask. <laughs> you know that happened. Um Mike, that was, you're dude, I mean, too that small. Was... Don't you don't want to see Brandy finding out that Cody's yeah. gonna lose? Dude. dude. It was also, I mean, it was like, you know, and, and seeing yeah. That's oh, I yeah, mean Brandy, if, if yeah. there ever see, was there was a time to miss Johnny Ace, it's for that moment, Mike. Yeah. Sorry, oh, it, uh... I'd be wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. Although we could we could call Robert negative one now. Um <laughs> but dude this this was this was like yeah i mean a layup to me and then just kind of i mean when this match ended they should have just played vince is back and better than ever i mean it just felt like vince right like i don't just... think this felt like vince though this felt more like hunter to me right i mean if hunter was waiting for his moment to pluck off an AEW guy and you know, put him in the ground after they got walloped over on Wednesday nights. I think this, I, I think this was, I think this was always the plan. I think that for whatever reason, Cody thought it good. This is good for me. I screw the narrative or whatever they're trying to do here. None of my business. I, I would think Vince learned his lesson uh, when they ended WrestleMania with the Steve Austin heel turn. And everyone was like, that is an awful way to end a WrestleMania. Yeah, they you had should never- 34, which was like such a church fart. Yeah, well, that, but I think the Steve Austin heel turn and aligning with Vince is arguably worse. Um, and for historical purposes, did, didn't do them any favors creatively. Um, I, I think that, I don't think that, moment. I just, I think this was a Hunter call. I think this is what Hunter wanted. 
and Vince came along and was like, "Thumbs up, I agree." I don't, I don't know that this was a Vince thing. I think, I think this was all Hunter and, and Cody, to be honest. You know, my 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 big complaint about this is the execution. Like, the ref threw Solo out, and then the match ends, and Solo's in the ring, and it actually should have had a dusty finish. It sh- they should have restarted the match or something. Um, it just felt so weird that. They allowed that. It just, it was silly to me. Solo was thrown out and then he just comes back in. You also had that feeling of the end of a video game where Roman got hit with every finishing move imaginable. He got hit with the crossroads. He got hit with the cutter. He got hit with the stunner by Kevin Owens. He got hit with the Haluva kick. Like Sami Zayn being the guy that helps knock Roman Reigns out is finishing the story. You've told this beautiful overarching story. And in the end, the baby faces all basically lose and then the next night on raw everybody's just kind of fine scott anything to add before we move on to dynamite yeah i mean i i i think one thing of note because i was so in love with this match until you know moments started to unfold and then you i think a big issue i have with this match is you had the usos come out and then you had owens and zane come out and they also got their comeuppance on Roman as well after they tossed out the Usos. And so it was all so wrapped up in this bow. And you involving love the match the until main the event of the night before. Yeah. So then when you have him lose, you're like, wait, he didn't just lose to Cody. Like, he didn't just beat Cody. He also beat Sammy and Owens. And they just won the night. But so why the fuck do they have the tag titles? And then you find out at Raw, it's just to be tag champions and not care about anything else. I guess it's it's all empty and stupid now. I literally just said that, Scott. Thanks for being yeah, attention. exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that it's stupid. <laughs> well, he it's didn't really. See, you didn't see the tag team part. I that. did. I said the next night on Raw, everyone was like, "Hey, we're we're everything's fine." Like Kevin and Sammy were just like, "This yeah, is cool." Kevin we and have Sammy tag titles. are just yeah. They're just they are tag team champions now, as opposed to. You know these guy, this the this this team that had to come together to destroy a thing that is still not destroyed. Like Darth Vader is still out there. Han Solo and Chewie don't just go. All right, see you around, Luke. You also got to love that Kevin and Sammy are kind of like, well, fuck off, Cody. You're fighting Brock now. We're not going to save you. Yeah, it's all very very um inconsistent with this awesome story that I thought we were presented with. But uh, to be fair, but to be fair, Robert, that beat down. That Brock gave Cody was so quick they wouldn't have had time. Uh, I have I have uh, yet to finish Dynamite, so I'm not going to stick around. All right, well, Nick, but give us your plugs. Uh, I would just uh, thank you guys. I always enjoy coming on here. You guys are all hilarious um, and somewhat dark. I think you guys need to talk to therapists. Um, but uh, well, Mike's already was... talking to one, and he still had the Benoit joke. So I don't yeah, know if fine. there it's is fine. for him. It's fine. I I have a therapist. It's fine. Everyone should have one. Um, I just want to thank every, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, of course, like I said, I'm no longer with Wrestling Inc. If you want to support me, go to House of Wrestling, H-A-U-S of Wrestling dot com. Uh, that is where uh, you can find all of my uh, news Bro, coverage. Nick is the new gold standard. Fuck Meltzer, okay? <laughs> I am canceling my Meltzer prescri- pres- uh, uh, prescription. It's a prescription. This is the only thing keeping you alive. We know. <laughs> Nick, Nick, can you Nick, can you please do us a favor and make sure that. Dan never gets in your Hall of Fame. <laughs> I just want to vote <laughs> on it. I'm not asking to be in it. I just want to fucking vote on the goddamn thing. Okay. 
You got it. Um, go to House of Wrestling. We don't have enemies over at House of Wrestling. We like to think we're a pretty inviting bunch over there. Uh, it is just me. But yeah, like I said, you can go find all my news coverage, editorials, podcasts. Um, and then we had a story go uh, viral yesterday. Um, Jonathan Gresham, uh, for the first time, broke his silence talking about his exit from AEW and Ring of Honor. Uh, was very candid about the confrontation he had with Tony Khan backstage last year at Death Before Dishonor before he... Uh, Drop the title in 11 minutes to Claudio Castagnoli. Um, if you haven't read it, please go check it out. Uh, check everything out on the site, but specifically that it's getting uh, it's getting a lot of attention right now, and I think it's uh, just one of the better things I've I've professionally done in the news space. So go check Can't it out. Wait to read it, buddy. Uh, All right, dude, Robert. I, I Nick. I just I just want to imagine you in therapy, and the ther- your therapist is a wrestling fan, and you you go sit down and and they're just like, what do you really think? Heyman and Reigns were going to say fiscally about that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, th- I thought I was going to get some news there. Therapist. Thank you for making me doubt myself. You're an awful therapist. I didn't, I don't have a therapist, but I have a, I, I had a, I had a kid at the grocery store the other day. He was bagging my groceries. Uh, he, he recognized me because I'd been in the store once or twice. And he goes, man, how does it feel to have killed AEW? Like what a weird exchange this is right now. <laughs> You're like, how does it feel to bag my fucking groceries, bitch? Yeah. Dan, he was going to be nice to Nick Gage. Uh-huh. <laughs> By the way, I just want to point out real quick. I'm going to do my Conrad here for a moment just for, for those people. House of Wrestling is H-A-U-S of wrestling, not house like H-O-U-S-E. You know, when you uh, when you go look this up and you can use uh, promo code uh, J-R. Kind yeah. Of house. And I've been doing my Conrad impression by taking deep breaths after I talk. i'm doing my conrad impression by making millions of dollars that's what i'm doing right now (laughs) all right i'll see you later everybody have a good one thanks so much guys really enjoyed it take care thank you nick Nick houseman everybody our vic venom all right i mean house of wrestling could be a mortgage company just saying dynamite or dud we got a lot to get into uh hour one bullet club attacks ricky starks there was a Chris Jericho promo interrupted by Keith Lee setting up a match for next week. God, there's so much shit on this show. Oh, my God. Best Friends in Orange Cassidy versus House of Black. Riho versus Jamie Hayter for the AEW Women's Championship. An acclaimed in Jericho appreciation segment setting up a match for Rampage. And uh, a a phenomenal, I thought, MJF Long Island Zone segment, which some people didn't like, but I thought it was great um scott what do you think of this first hour uh genuinely really really enjoyed this first hour i did think the jay white debut was an absolute botch oh that was so bad that was in in like in a few ways right so you botched the the entrance completely and it's like was it a sound cue error it it was a combination of things it was crazy ready it was a sound cue error it was a camera error and it was a Jay White and Juice Robinson walking out before anything had happened. Like, why would either of you have walked out at that time? So none of it makes sense. Uh, I thought it was very weird. And it was a Jay White being associated with Juice Robinson era. Yes, that, that was another issue, honestly. And not, not you know, you go, okay, they're Bullet Club. But the problem is, is Juice Robinson, while I disagree with a, a lot of the insults, has been sort of a laughing stock on, like, re- the wrestling internet as of late. Uh, people who aren't familiar with him in New Japan, 
they kind of think he is a goofball. I get that. And it it is justified what they've shown on AEW. So when you have Jay White coming out helping him, also Jay White like left New Japan. So it's like, is he even in Bullet Club? Uh, that's confusing. But that also, I guess, assists with the Forbidden Door um, pay-per-view and also All In, which I think is also going to be every promotion aside from WWE, but we'll get to that. That's night two. Um, or hour two. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I really, I, I was not a fan of the Jay White debut, but I do love that Jay White is there. I do love that it is a surprise that WWE did not give us the entire weekend or on Monday. They gave us no surprises other than Cody losing was a surprise to us. Uh, well, so Riddle came back. That was kind of a surprise. Nobody cared, which was interesting to me. Uh, none of us cared. We didn't even acknowledge it at all you know because uh, they all know he's going to wind up relapsing at some point I, I mean like amongst each other we didn't even talk about it like oh thank god riddle's back you know uh it, yeah. it's just a bummer and so you know compliment AEW on that first hour i thought it was exciting i thought it was fun even though the debut was a botch it shows that they are willing to give people things that uh wwe isn't which is genuine surprises um mike any thoughts on this first hour i mean i thought that to open it like with the debut it was a, a a good idea but i think there were other ways to do it yeah i i it doesn't help juice it just hurts jay to be associated with him the guy is just fucking ice cold as a character um and i think that uh Look, like one of my big problems with the end of Raw was, you know, you advertise a thing you didn't deliver, and I don't want to see Juice versus Starks that much. But at the same time, you did advertise it, and your first thing of the night is a match that didn't happen. Um, also, you could have Jay, you know, Jay's music be the distraction and let Juice get a win, and now Juice has a win over Ricky because, because also now what we're seeing is Jay White and Juice attacked Ricky. So does Ricky have to get a a, a win over Jay eventually, because otherwise, then what are you doing to Ricky? So it's all just kind of dumb. Well, I think they're gonna have Ricky go over Juice and then Jay go over Ricky. Get over Ricky, okay. And, and then, then down my, the line, my, my, my big years. problem was, yeah. um, you know, they always say like a hero is only as good as their villains, but you know, it goes the other way too. A villain's only as good as their heroes, and I think part of why MJF. You know, there were parts of the segment I liked. I do think it could have been shorter, but but for the most part, a lot of it didn't click with me because he doesn't have good adversaries. And, you know, no three of those guys is even half the talker that he is, as as was proven, you know, tonight by one of them, but and and last week and and, and Darby as well. So it's just the whole thing is just MJF running circles around these guys, and it's not creating any intrigue or tension. Like the story was three little kids being like, I want his belt at the same time. And it hasn't evolved past that. Um, I actually, I mean, I I liked what they did in that segment, but I mean, I can't speak obviously on the Sammy match or the promo. I mean, that was not, I just, I just think that this would all mean more if the person that he was opposing meant more it's just like it's just kind of like it's happening for the sake of happening as opposed to a reaction to someone or something and 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 in a way like i love mjf but i do think you know he's as anyone is they're at their best when they have someone 
meaty to go against that you know can even like talk back as an equal and right now it just feels like he's meandering a bit and um and this segment was was proof of that for me a little um you know but but overall the show look like after after raw and after knowing that vince is back this this show just had to hit like a double to to blow our minds and it hit a single it was fine yeah i would i, I agree ultimately with that robert what do you think of this first hour I think the weird thing with Jay White is if he showed up on Raw or NXT, it would have felt like a big moment because it's like, oh, my God, Jay White is here. He's been on AEW and he's yep. been on and vanished. And lots of guys are like Action Andretti has been on and vanished. You don't realize like, oh, yeah, Jay White was not part of the company and now he's returned. It just kind of felt like, oh, it's Jay White. We saw him a couple months ago and he was just kind of a guy. So to some of the audience, there was that moment. It signaled to the people that were watching, it's like, oh, Vince is definitely back in WWE and doesn't want Jay White there. And Jay White's like, fuck this, I'm going to AEW. The production thing, inexcusable, but we say that all the time. Uh, the Jericho Keith Lee thing felt like an, like an inner slice thing from an old SmackDown PlayStation 2 game where just two random people who have no reason to interact interact with each other to build to a match no one cares about. Uh, I really liked the trios match. Uh I think Orange and Best Friends, that was fun. House just, of Black it was just fucking great. a shame because Keith Lee beating Jericho, and I, and I got a feeling it's going to be Jericho beating Keith Lee now because of the lack of the build, but that would have been a huge moment. It would be a great moment, but it's like, and I mean, it, just like in the same way, the, the six-man match is to build up, and I'm not making this up, an Anna J. Julia Hart feud. So I don't know what we did to upset Tony Khan, that fucking piece of shit, but this is what we're stuck with <laughs> now. Right. Uh Riho and Jamie Hayter was a match where, like, Jamie Hayter tossed around like a small child, and we had to pretend it was a real match. Uh, the MJF thing, it was – I loved it for what it was. His performance was excellent. He was in his element. He was having fun with the crowd. The singing was good. The saxophone player was terrible. Like, that's a bad – Terrible. Like, doubt a guy who knows how to play sax and, like – and had Max not having – not being allowed to sell it and talk about how bad that guy – I thought it was going to be a bit. That the guy was so bad at playing the saxophone that Max was going to like kick well, him Max out. Max was a bigger, better singer than he was a saxophone player. He was a huge over baby face. And then Jungle Boy sucked. Like the crowd didn't care about him. He definitely felt significantly lesser than. And you're you're killing time. I think him bringing out the the debonair jacket. It's a tiny bit of flop sweat of like we're just trying to go back to something that worked before. He always de he delivered here. He over delivered more than he normally has, but. You know, who cares? But I'm sure in hour two, Sammy's going to cut a promo that's going to totally turn my mind around. All right, well, uh, we'll keep Dude, it. Jungle Boy needed to hit segment, him with the though. symbols. This was an like awesome 10. segment. Yeah, I like the segment. I thought yeah. Jungle Boy was fine in the segment. He was going to get booed no matter what. I thought it was the best he's done. He had that smirk. He didn't say a word. He just Yeah, but he, just, he didn't. He didn't. Fe I, he did the best he could, but he's kind of only at a certain level. Uh, in the same way we talked about theory earlier, where Jungle Boy does not feel like one of the top four guys in the company. He feels like one of the top 20 guys on this show. No. And the four pillars, you know, the idea is we are, you know, the, you know, the company is going to build off of this. We are the ones that are going to be the future of this company. And it is obvious that it's only MJF. And I think that's something is that's funny about these promos is they shit on MJF instead of being like, yeah, I'm going to do what 
you do to get also there. your four pillars your four young guy young hungry guys yeah. is for your intercontinental title it's for your yes. TNT. Sure, it's not sure. for the world like the world title should not be four guys who have not proven themselves well, yet well not to be yet main eventers. It's, it should be yeah it, the, the idea is these guys should be ready for the main event because they were established as, as the four pillars but they just aren't i think sammy is circumstance but i'm sure sammy beats an established top tier star to warrant his opportunity <laughs> sure yeah uh jungle boy doesn't deserve to be in the spot i enjoy him in the ring but he's got a long ways to go and i think darby could have a world title match against anybody it's just uh yeah, MJF should be facing veterans for a little while. I agree with that. Hour two, we get Sammy Guevara versus Commander with a K. A Sammy promo, which, and I'll just give my opinions on this. He he bombs the babyface promo, then tries to save it with a heel turn where he shits on Long Island. This whole thing should have just been a heel promo. Like it, It's Sammy's fault, but it's also Tony's fault. You could have gotten a new heel over here because... The crab would have booed him, but then started to like some of the heel stuff he was saying. Um, because it's a heel crowd, it's a Long Island crowd. We have Ethan Page versus Hook, Tony's big announcement, uh, Blackpool Combat Club versus Jobbers with the I thought a really interesting promo by Brian Danielson, and then FTR versus the gun club. Robert, what do you think of the second hour? Uh Commander can definitely run on the top rope a lot. Uh over and over again and it doesn't feel repetitive or repetitive or repetitive sammy's promo was inexcusably bad the fact that he had no ability to like take the temperature of the room it was tone deaf it was weird it was antithetical to who he has been as a character which felt even weirder uh hook versus ethan page no one cares about this matt hardy story that exists like in an alternate universe where this is on tv every week I didn't like Hook doing the uh, twist of fate. He's like he's a cool character in that he just doesn't give a fuck about what else what else is going on. He shouldn't be playing to those moments. Uh, Tony Khan's announcement. I'm pretty sure I hallucinated this because there's no way it could have been as awkward and fucking terrifying with bugged out, coked eye contact as it was. I love Nigel McGuinness. I'm glad Nigel McGuinness is there. That may be one of my high spots of the week. Uh, and then Tony Khan continuing to bring Adam Cole out as the guy to finish his announcements is like a bad Saturday Night Live sketch. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club, Brian Danielson is so interesting, and he's on a different television show than everybody else. Uh, attacking I just think it's members. like, it's now is he a cult leader? I love that. If he's like, like we're about love here while he's beating the shit out of people. But we're back to the good heel Danielson that he was going up against Kofi Kingston. Where you're, you're you're picking a word that you want to repeat, where it's amateur, where it was fickle before, and the I love these men, but you know you guys, you know the, the, these jobbers look like who the EVPs would have signed, and then Hangman going out there and just getting murdered with a screwdriver, and then the main event was solely designed for Tony Khan to be like, "Good news, I signed FTR. They're not going back because Hunter's not in charge." That was that finish. Uh, Your the impression of Tony was, Khan is the grandpa from Christmas Vacation. Yeah, it's what it is. Uh, it's 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 fine. Or the grandpa uh, from A Princess Bride. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's very Peter. All, all that matters is uh, seeing Tony alone in Wembley Stadium is going to be the Martin Prince moment we've been waiting for this whole time. Scott, what do you think of the second hour? I know you got to head out. Oh yeah, I uh, I love the main event. I I love the commander match. Obviously, I'm super stoked on the announcement. I'll say since I do have to leave, that is my high spot. 
Uh, I know it's a, a 90,000 seat arena. <laughs> Look, what WWE broke the record there, it was 80,000, right? Um, and that was in 90, dude, they'll be lucky 92? to get fucking 40,000. Wait, what? They'll be lucky to get 40,000. Sure, sure. I don't think they'll be lucky. I think they'll get forty thousand. And I there's think a lot of displaced Ukrainian refugees they can yeah. stick in there. I, I mean, dude, they 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 get massive ratings in the UK. It's their first time over there. They're gonna have dream matches. This isn't just gonna be an AEW show. Uh, Will Osprey's obviously gonna be there. I so wouldn't be AEW surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be well. You know, it's called All In for a reason. I think, and I think it's because. This is a show where you get the wrestling worlds to unite to see what you can do. Uh, WrestleMania so it's got six sixty five thousand this year. WrestleMania, uh, yeah, eighty one thousand. Like, yeah, I mean, like, no, well, that was a lie. It's really like sixty something. They would never lie. The it truth was probably is, sixty is to seventy thousand a night, and so total it got sixty five thousand, right? Yeah, eighty one thousand so. three hundred and eighty five. No, it's sixty five thousand. <laughs> you can take it to the bank. <laughs> And um, so it was like apparently 65,000 something. I, I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised when they see that tickets sell well for this. Again, not 80,000, no, but they're going to do really well. And it is going to look like a spectacle and it's going to be a spectacle. Dude, uh, these Goldberg tickets are going to sell about as well as the Young Bucks in a trios match. <laughs> I mean, you're going to love I think it. they should do MJF. What, what is the issue of this? It, I mean, this is like great for wrestling. They're obviously going to get other companies involved. You say is that, but just what company like, uh, are they not already using? Like, well, you've, exactly. we've already so seen, Im we've seen Impact, wrestling. we've seen Ring of Honor, we've seen New Japan. None of it has moved the needle to the point where it's like now their numbers are through the roof. There's nobody they can't get. I don't think that's what this is about. Show. I think this is about having an epic uh, wrestling show, and I think wrestling fans come out to moments like that. Scott, you want to? Scott, you want to know what my issue is? Is yeah. the hyping of the announcements to begin with? Sure, sure. And then it's this, and this is so dumb and asinine in a way that Why? because it's it's ambitious in a way that is insane. They haven't even filled. 25,000 seat venues. Well, they, that, well, they um, haven't tried to, right? It's every, every arena they've tried to fill, they filled, right? Isn't that how that works? So they, like, but if only there was when they went to Toronto, they could have done much bigger, but they chose a small place and sold out really quick. Right. If only there was a stadium that his dad had access to in the United <laughs> States that he, well, could and try in the UK at. as well, they have a soccer team. They have a soccer team. Yeah. But that, that no one gives a shit about that. Like it's when, like Wembley is Wembley. I think the problem is, Yes, if you if you throw everything at a stadium show, you might be able to draw. By doing it in England, American fans are not going to travel over to the UK the same way UK fans travel over to America. Oh, I know that. I, I'm I'm very happy. I'm the only one that thinks this is great. I I mean, and well, Scott I mean, will not be even paying for this show to watch it or to attend it. I no, I won't. I mean, I don't have well, the money. It's a great but... car. I'll be excited to see it. Yeah, but I'll happily steal something that's very good for wrestling. Yeah. I think they should do MJF Sting, have MJF end Sting's career. Oh, yeah. I think I... they should do Dante Martin Shane. <laughs> <laughs> With Zach Gowan as the special guest referee. <laughs> this is going to be a great, great show. It's going to be All fun right. for wrestling fans, the fantasy book. But, uh, yeah, second hour is fun. FTR still in AEW. Skies are looking clear, baby. 
All right, well, the referee go. did a terrible job with that roll-up. I was like, this should have been... Yeah, Scott, that was a he weird, waited, you know? fucked-up finish. Well, but he it had to their because fault. it was The ref's fault, man. The ref just delayed counting. It was very weird. Yeah, yeah. Really bad. All right, thanks, Scott. What do you got to plug? Uh, this podcast and Out for Smokes with Mike Racine and Sean McCarthy. Peace out. All right, brother. Have a good one. All right, Mike, what do you got for the second hour? Oh, I thought this was fine. You know... Uh, I, I kind of lost interest as the show went on. Um, you know, the Daniel Bryan stuff, it, it's interesting in a way, but it's not addressing the MJF of it all. And that was such a devastating loss that it's it, it's my problem, you know, especially like with their booking is characters just pivot to the next thing without any transition or growth. Um, and it just felt rushed to me. Or, or sorry, Bruced. And it's just, <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's a clusterfuck, man. I mean, you know, I know, I know that uh, you're going to review all access on, uh, on the weekend. And, um, well, and maybe, it's funny maybe because after this, if you guys are around, we can want to knock it out. But... Yeah. We, we, we've talked enough. We've talked um, enough. <laughs> I have, I have, I have, me and Robert have, have, have children and, and you have dogs. We should love, those things because wrestling will never love us back um <laughs> but yeah i i mean I, I i just think that like they clearly want sammy to be this baby face which is how he comes off on that show but his character doesn't on this show and it was just yeah it was it was a clusterfuck and i mean the announcement you know now that uh Hope boy is gone. Um, we could just laugh about how insane and, and silly this is. Like, here's the thing. Like, I don't know much about booking venues and all that shit, but there has to be concrete sound reasons as to why WWE did this once and never did it again. You know, and, and there's a reason. I think There is why an insane even... cost associated with booking Wembley Stadium. Uh, it is... But they don't even, you know, outside of Clash at the Castle, they haven't even had UK pay-per-views in general because it's like, you know, one of the things... They, they have one in about, July that's completely sold they're, out. They're doing one in July. They've dipped the toe back okay. into it now. The reasoning... At the O2, right? Yeah. Well, O2 it's Arena. Already, but the, the... It's already sold out, too. Yeah. That's a 20,000-seater. That's a yeah, yeah, but the difference is, Mike, number one, when you run a pay-per-view in the UK because of the time zone issues... Exactly. I was going to bring that can't up. can't do that outside of the fact they have WWE Network. But to run Wembley the cost of running a stadium uh, of that size is astronomical just for your initial fee. And I did these contracts for a living. I, you know, I'm not going to venture to guess a number, but it's a very high number before you have even factored in a single cost associated with it. AEW has not traveled internationally for production. They've not traveled internationally with their talent. That alone requires a totally separate set of logistics. The NTSC, the PAL issues that WWE used to run into was a fucking massive headache. You're going overseas where you've yet to really perfect running a show in the United States, and you're going to try to sell out one of the largest buildings in the world uh, with what as a legitimate main event that we have not already seen. I guess Kenny Punk. We can get the, those two on in, in the ring together. The only thing, yeah, but the press conference would be more interesting than the match. Well, maybe well, a also... press conference in Wembley. Do half wrestling, half press conference. Well, you know, it's it's also the thing is that 
I mean, you know, having having just been at at Mania, and even they had like glitchy stuff at this brand new stadium, and you know, it's like AEW's production problems are rampant on on their smaller shows. I mean, look, like here's the thing: like I want this to succeed. I think I think it would be a cool idea. I also think it's gonna be disastrous for the television in a way because. If, you know, after Double or Nothing, you know, then you have Forbidden Door, which those stories don't really go anywhere or or often connect to anything within the show. And then if you have this, which is other companies again, it's going to be more of the same. And then also, I think they're still doing All Out in September. And it's just a fucking uh, overload of, of work and shows for a guy who can't handle what he's doing now like i mean that's what i mean everyone's talking about you know robert you're talking about like oh this is a breath of fresh air after the raw for me i kind of had the opposite effect where i was just kind of like wait they're gonna run a stadium show like i wanted them to almost do less you know where i was like i don't know if this is gonna be i mean i just feel like wrestling may be rough for a couple months i think this show it's in august we're in april there really is no white hot story that you can get to from now to there, outside of yeah, we can bring back CM Punk. In which case, you're you're doing a work shoot angle, which Punk in ring has been somewhat hit and miss, and he's coming back off of an injury, so we don't even know how good that's going to be. And like, oh, we can bring in New Japan guys, but you're selling Forbidden Door, which is supposed to be your big draw for New Japan guys, and New Japan is not exactly white hot right now. There's it's just a very strange thing. And, it, and you and, just had a bunch of them on Ring of Honor. You had Tanahashi, you had Shibata, yeah. you had Aussie Open. And, and, you know, I know there's certain people who are like, oh, maybe they can get Drew because Drew's contract. Drew's contract's not up, I think, until December. So Drew's not even available to be like, look, we have this big well, UK he's also not a, I mean, I like Drew a lot, but he's no, not. I said, like, he's, not, I said he's not that big. He's not big enough to justify selling at a stadium. I just I don't see what the idea is. And then the funniest part of this was them talking about how this is in conjunction with Warner Brothers 100th anniversary, which is such a weird pivot in the middle of this. I guess they're using them to underwrite some of it, uh, but I don't understand how this has anything to do with AEW. I also don't understand where it's like, oh, this is like, this is just bringing up the Davy Boy Brett match, right? I mean, like, don't you want to start your own traditions? Wasn't that Tony's big thing? No, Tony just wants to replicate his childhood as an adult. That's oh, all any of this has ever been. And he, this could work if he doesn't care about losing a shitload of money. If this is, you know what, I'm a you know multi-billionaire. I think it'd be really fun if the action figures I brought come to life and I'm going to run a show in Wembley and I don't care if I lose money and we just paper the building. It's going to be really neat that I got to do this. Well, that's guys, exactly what they do. Dude, imagine if the main event of this is Brett versus Davey Jr. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, like, to Robert's point, it's funny because it's, like, every everything that happened, he thinks is, like, this amazing thing that needs to be recreated. And like I said, like, the company that did it themselves never recreated it and probably for very smart reasons. <laughs> But that's the juxtaposition. Like, Tony is an owner who desperately wants to please the fans. Vince is an owner who doesn't give a flying fuck about the fans. 
and WWE continues to be more financially successful and draw higher ratings. Like fire Vince McMahon has been trending on Twitter. Tony Khan is like, I will give you whatever you want fans. Please love me. And it feels like it's just more apathy for AEW. Well, it just feels like there needs to be a happy medium, right? <laughs> like there needs to be somewhere in the middle where you recognize fans, but you, you don't do the thing of like, well, LA night's over the last two weeks. So let's push them to the moon, you know? Not to keep, or we realize we're in an abusive cycle with this shit and find something else, but that's not gonna happen. As you as you buy the tickets to your next DC movie, (laughs) Um, all right. What's Blue Blue Beetle Beetle trailer looks cool? uh, (laughs) August eighteenth. Oh no! High spot, low spot. Let's start with you, Mike. What do you got? Um, I'm gonna say, yo, um, my high spot uh, was fucking yeah, going live. Now I could say I've went to a mania, and for anyone who's like, "No, you only went to half a mania," I'm like, "No, I went to a full mania." Um, so that's definitely my high spot. Um, and my low spot would be, um, I would say, uh, yeah, man, Vince coming back is such a bummer. It's uh, he was gone, and the product was better. Like. Triple H finally became a babyface, and uh, the product was at a level that it had not been in in years. Uh, the mania was proof of that, and then the Raw just—it's amazing how quickly you can undo something. I feel like your high spot, low spot are going to be very similar, Robert. The uh, closing moments of WrestleMania Night One. When KO and Sammy won the tag titles, it was the great emotional catharsis that you want from professional wrestling. It felt organic. It felt right. Uh, It felt like this company really knows what the fuck they're doing. Uh, And then uh, my other high spot is uh, on Battle of the Belts this Friday. Apparently, it's going to be QT Marshall challenging for the Ring of Honor tag titles. So maybe I'm finally going to get something that I desperately want. Him working a match with Penta and Phoenix and showing those kids how to work is going to be glorious. Uh, My low spot is uh, uh, Sunday onward. I think the the unraveling and undoing of everything that we were excited about for the last little while uh, really sucked. Not giving Cody the moment that made the most sense. I get even Heyman where he's like, you don't always want to give the fans what they're what they're expecting but sometimes you do like wrestlemania was the one time year after year you got hogan winning you got austin beating Shawn michaels you got john cena and batista winning the titles you got brian daniel bryan winning the title it's okay at wrestlemania to give the fans what they expect so that they can believe in something and be happy with it uh and then when they try to like outsmart it and then you have vince in control it just it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fucking just cluster um yeah all right well my high spot is of course like night one like everybody you know on the internet everyone on this podcast just thought it was such a blast of a show from start to finish uh my low spot is you know guys couldn't come over i was bummed out about that but i'll just go with the jay white entrance i mean i just i just don't understand you know, I guess with the Vince stuff, I see kind of light at the end of the tunnel with it. But like, you know, like there's just like after seeing that Jay White entrance, I'm like, you guys got a major free agent acquisition. Now, whether or not 
you know, Micah Robert thinks he's any good. They they got a major free agent acquisition. Was it the most major? No, but it was a major free agent acquisition. And to debut him that way, I mean, like the one thing that AEW was being lauded for was debuting guys well. And then, you know, and then, you know, they would Tony kind of forgets about him and they don't do anything with him. But this I'm like, man, this guy is at a fucking huge disadvantage just starting out. Um, that's about it, folks. Uh, follow um, us on Instagram, on Twitter, on our Facebook group. My Facebook fan page has still been hijacked by somebody from Vietnam. Um, if I have any advice, uh, when somebody offers you $2,000 to do a podcast and you're not famous, don't do it. Um, but that's another story for another podcast. Uh, but our WrestleRose fan page, you can still join. <laughs> that sounds so depressing. I'm doing my special on June 1st. Uh, I'm still doing stand-up all around New York City. I'm going to be on the road a little bit. I'm going to be uh, opening for uh, Dan Soder this month in Indianapolis in a couple weeks. And then I'm going to be in Key West headlining which I'll give you some more info about that next month. And, you know, I'm going to be on the road a little bit this spring. So check me out. Uh, and until then folks, wash your hands.